Do you believe there's a God? Sure. I'm one. You are. You're a God if you control your destiny. Only we never know how things will turn out. Good afternoon, uh, Nathaniel Blue Live. Hello, Victor. How do you do? Hey, I'm doing great, man. I actually been meaning to ask you something for a really long time. Lay it on me. What's your favorite movie? Here Comes the Boom or Nacho Libre, and why are they the same movie? Man, I have not seen either of those movies. I've always preferred Stomp the Yard, personally, above <laughs> all other contributions to cinema. Wait, what was it? Stomp the Yard where it's... What is that? Is that like just where they go out into a yard and they just start stomping on it? <laughs> it's like uh, Step Up, but for the guys, for the boys. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? Like it's gay? Uh, it's no, no, it's it's very butch. It's just a a bunch of gorgeous black men. I think they're uh, they're like performing like marching band music and doing cool dances and stuff. So they do a lot of like a, a lot of helicopter dances. Yeah, ab- absolutely. <laughs> I remember, like maybe it was like ten, maybe ten, twelve years ago. That was kind of all the rage. It was all like a bunch of young, gorgeous, gorgeous, athletic. African Amer- African American male youth who would be wearing the, the gym shorts and just swinging these fucking fourteen inch rods soft doing the helicopter dance. Remember that? <laughs> Do you remember uh, the PD Pablo song "Raise Up"? That's one of my favorite songs. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I, I am this guy. I ended up becoming friends with back when I was in high school. He uh, he thought I wasn't. He like his. Initial perception of me was that I, I was not cool, which was a correct uh, assessment that he had made by really any standard. I was particularly so in high school, not a very cool dude, but I had absorbed from MTV that morning immediately before leaving to school that the album that, that song came from was called Diary of a Sinner, part two. And Brandon was like, man, you don't even you don't even fucking like good music. You don't even know what song I'm fucking singing. Cause he would sing inside the goal when we would play soccer during gym class. And I'd say, nah, man, that's fucking raise up from diary of a sinner part two. That song's fucking great or whatever. And this is occurring in a very rural area of Wisconsin. And then he w- he was cool with me after that. Is there a part one or is that just kind of a, a joke title? I've never, uh, I must confess, I've never really inspected his discography beyond the hit single. What else What else did he do? Because, I mean, this is like we're talking about comics and what influences the comic artists, what makes them go. And I, d- definitely that song, Raise Up, you know, take your shirt off, twist it around, swing it around like a helicopter. That did it for me as a, as a youth. Yeah. Uh, it was very hypey, a lot of energy. A uh, big personality of beautiful women, and the things that can come to you if you have a hypey, big energy, big personality. Uh, in comics, the same thing can happen. I think I just kind of had a stick up my ass about rap when I was a kid. 
and I think about like how much how much better life would have been if I could have just turned on MTV and you know luxuriated in the the hype Williams lavish lifestyle and the juvenile music videos and the blurred out tits and such. But man, I I I fucking was a complete dickhole about. Oh man, about music until uh, probably for a very long time. I, you know, like even like the type of guy to like argue, like no, it's not this genre, it's that genre. Up until maybe like my late teens, early twenties. I think I had a little bit of that in me too, where I I had like some friends that were some music istas or fucking vinyl collectors and worked in record stores. And I mean, I still have these friends. And so then I kind of got swooped into this world of like learning who the artists were, learning the different genres and, and, and halfway giving a shit. And some of the bands, <laughs> for the part now I, I, I want to say that I, that I, that I don't care, but I kind of care. Yeah. You know, I guess you have to kind of care a little bit to know what's out there, but people are talking about, um, you know, different recording artists of the day. And I, I feel like I'm an old person, like who, what a twig! This is a uh, LGBTQ twigs, or whatever it's called, fucking DK one, or you know. What I was thinking week. about yesterday is like, and I don't like dislike it or anything, but like a good example of just like uh, the type of thing that like the vinyl collecting type is gonna like uh, proselytize to you about constantly, and really just try to jam into your brain and get you to like assimilate into your own set of tastes is Captain Beefheart, and it never fucking did it for me, but I made, you know, like, many, many, many attempts from many approaches to enjoy Captain Beefheart, and the shit is, like, never more than okay. I think you just have to have at least three to six or 12 beers and smoke some weed, and then, like, ah, man, I get it now. No, but that's exactly when you put on P.D. Pablo. I wouldn't because that would make me paranoid. I'd be like <laughs> looking at the window, making sure the feet set up, being aggro. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, I, I'll do name drop here, you know, because I've never, I've never mentioned his. No, actually, a different person mentioned his name. Trevor Alexopoulos is a cartoonist, and he was uh, tweeting because he's a he's a tweeter, so he's tweeting around. And he says that that. Uh, what the fuck did he even say? I can't say it verbatim because I don't fucking memorize shit verbatim. But basically that all the ludicrous videos were very like they were hostile, but they're also all about having a good time at the same time. But they're like very fighty. And very, like, that sounds like your M.O. I guess that fucking the rap world rubbed off on me because I definitely bought word of mouth in 2002. That was uh, a ludicrous uh, CD. I paid full price for it. Sam Goody. And I listened to that a lot. I was just thinking last night at how... And I think like a lot... The entry into comics for a lot of artists is like drawing weapons and, and or violence. And I was admiring your weapons last night. It seems like a a particular vernacular that you have mastery over. I, not only did I watch these movies as a kid, as a, I mean, starting from, I'm, I, my earliest memories, I think, my earliest memory is watching, I didn't even watch it. I was four years old. I walked into my parents' bedroom 
and they were uh, the VHS player had The Godfather on it. I didn't realize it was The Godfather until twenty some years later on when I watched Godfather, whatever, or, or not not that long. But anyway, uh, but it's the scene where the assassins come in and they shoot the guy through his glasses, and then he bleeds out on the bed, and. That always stuck with me. So from there, it was just carnage and action movies and all the Clint Eastwoods, all the Schwarzeneggers, all the Stallones, all that stuff. And I and and this is back in the, the VHS days. You, if you had a movie, you'd rewatch the movie over and over again. And so I watched mostly violent action films uh, when I was a kid, and I just learned how to draw guns, and I was obsessed with guns, and had guns and weapons in the house. So, like, if I'm looking at this stuff all the time, they intrigue me, they're fun. You know, first thing I did when I was 21, I, I bought three pistols, had a blast, just fucking, yeah, it was great. Um, so, yeah, I just would draw them all the fucking time. And I'm, all my favorite cartoonists are the, growing up. I used to, <laughs> I would stop reading comics if the artist didn't draw the guns accurately enough, <laughs> I, if they did, if, if they if there weren't bullet shells, I no, I was just like no. If they drew the, if they drew the proportions off, and now like I because I know how to draw most of these uh, armaments uh, from memory, and I can make them up. Now I can fuck around with it, and I can really get back down with uh, a Rob Liefeld stupid dopey looking laser gun with the with the checkered flap over it and it looks like a <laughs> like Camus or whatever the fuck. Yeah, dude, I like those though because it's like, you know, there's no model for it where like Cable's gun is going to weigh more than like a human being will. For, but from like issue to issue and maybe even page to page, it'll have like different technologies appended to it or stacked up on top of it or hanging off the side or whatever. Yeah, I guess they, my problem is that they were, they were just dumb. I mean, they were... I, I appreciate it now more as I as I started getting older, and I did this. There was this project called uh, "Rub the Blood" from a few years ago. Were you in that? No, but I definitely got a copy of that. And, you did the cover. And so that, made, that made me revisit that stuff. So I, I got into the Liefeld and all that. I actually, when I first saw Liefeld, maybe I was like eight years old, and I was blown away. There's a, a particular panel where I think his name is Shatterstar, Shatterblade. Yeah, yeah. He, First, the first issue of is it X Force? You got it. He cuts the hands off. Or he cuts the guy's uh, hand off. Oh yeah, yeah. And then you see the hand coming at you. It's great. And I thought I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. It's permanently embossed into my brain. And I thought that he that that was that this guy was the pinnacle of of artistry. Like he, this guy had it down, and like there was nobody better than him. And then. I mean, there was a, other artists that you know came afterwards where I'm like, no, 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 like, no, 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 no. And then, I, then I'm uh, then introduced to anime and th other other things where, yeah, I mean, so many different things. But like, I definitely was a fucking Liefeld guy, and I I got swept up in the image image world, and uh, then maybe just my my personal tastes and likings. Like I, I don't know. I was I definitely I I fucking went back and forth, and then I would be conflicted because I. I wanted, I wanted the uh, that's, that that technical prowess mixed in with cartooning, mixed in with uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. Mix it with style. Mix it with some realism. You know, I, I kind of want all of it. Tell me I some weapon it. artists that you admire. The ultimate, like for me, back in the day, and I, I would imagine still he's. I haven't really followed up on his comics in the last twenty some years, but Doug Mankey oh. is like. Fuck, man. Did, the, the, did you ever see that tutorial that he did in Wizard Magazine on how to draw a monster? No. I would stay. I would fake sick so I could stay home from school and just draw like, just copy that shit and like have like a a zombie with like a huge underbite and like his head's been stitched back up and he's got like a railroad spike in his forehead. Monkey's the fucking best. He's the greatest. He's a he's a fucking goat, man. It's it's wild that he's still like he's, and he's. I guess he must be twenty years older than us. Around, I think he may. I think he's pushing sixty or late fifties. But yeah, dude. Like when I when I was like, I think it, maybe I was twelve years old. I thought I was, I thought I was really onto something pretty deep when I got the the first mask. No, it was the mask returns. I was introduced to the to the sequel miniseries before the original. And that blew me away. I thought that that was just, in, I mean, it is incredible. Like that, and it's so. There's, there's minimalism. There's almost there's like there's a there's a, a a realism to it. There's a gloss to it. It's got the it's got. I think it, for me it was just like the perfect usage of computer colorization. Great, uh, great movement, but also like it. It was it was move it was movement, but it was also static. It was it just it just kind of captured everything. And no, I know what you mean, man. Where it's like there the beauty of comics is that you can like do some sort of like hyper detailed Bernie Wrightson thing, or you can like make it absolutely as cartoony as possible. And I mean, they do it in completely different ways. But you see artists like Monkey, or maybe like Sam Keith, or even like Russ Heath, who can just like synthesize just the the action and movement of like cartoons with the stylization and idiosyncrasy that you can create in comics. Who's what is uh, Russ Heath? What did he do? He does. He did like war comics for DC. Like when I was a kid, it's like Joe Kubert. I knew like that was the name that I should be looking for. So if I was ever like flipping through like a comic in the dollar bin and I saw Joe Kubert, I'd buy it. But then it's like Russ Heath is like, he's the man. I mean, I do it no justice to try and describe it, but he he just he did a bunch of sick shit back in like the sixties and seventies. Oh, he's got he had this cool story though. It, I read this interview with him from the Comics Journal, where he was talking about how he worked for some like fly by night publisher back in the fifties, and his pencils were so tight, and the like inkers that he'd get would like butcher his shit, and he would just like ask his publisher, and like you know to be a comic artist, you're such like a you're just such like a fucking like bottom of the totem pole, just like disposable quantity to these publishers then and debatably now, whatever. But the, uh, he's like, you know, please, please, can we just shoot the stats from my pencils? Please, can we do it? And he's been begging and pleading for months now. And they finally try it out and it works great. And then what they do is they fire their entire staff of in-house inkers, like three dozen inkers. They just fucking fire them overnight. And then they need to like hire them back piecemeal because like no one else they could shoot from the pencils only Russ Heath. Now, how do they? That's that's another thing because I, I, however I've been doing this comic stuff for you know as long as I've been doing it, 
is you know I pencil everything or I do I do my my very basic roughs. My my roughs look super basic. I know what the what, what the thing is supposed to be, and I pencil it and then I ink it. Or sometimes I'll just go straight to ink to the page. I do like a, a combination of ink to the page. Some of it's really tightly penciled, whatever. Uh, it, it differs, but like with uh, the professionals, the Marvels, the DCs, these the or the jobbers or the staffers, whatever the you fucking terminology you want to give to these people, they. So what? When the inkers do the inkers ink on the actual pencil? They don't actually ink on the pencils. They they ink on something else, on a copy. Um, well, like in this instance, it would be like the stats that they would like send to like the colorists before it goes to the printer. Where it's like normally they'd be shooting the stats from like the inked product, but like they just shoot the stats right from his pencils. And like the, oh. the dude was like such like a supreme draftsman that like the work actually looked better. Where if it was like you, me, anybody else, and they shot from our pencils, it would probably be unintelligible. Wow. Okay. I mean, you're you're saying like the stats are like that's that's like what their version of a scan is, like a, yeah. a digital. Scan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Photo photo stats, what they call them, right? Yeah. I don't know. You got it, man. I mean, I, I I won't I won't identify myself as like any type of authority on the process of reproduction in the last century, but I, I think we got it, man. Yeah, I see. I wish I knew more. I, I guess I've I've just been in the the world of indie alt comics. Uh, that that's been where I've been. Well, and, and probably all the better for it. I, I just like, you know, I. I think it was Gabrielle Bell who said something along the lines of every single male cartoonist for better or worse. And I'm sure I'm horribly misquoting her here, but like has to unlearn everything that he picked up from superhero comics, like over the course of his artistic development. Could you imagine Gabrielle Bell's work inked by Wills Portacio or Jim Lee? Or Rob Liefeld. Dude, there, there's this, uh, I think my, some of my favorite stuff that I've read in the last year was the Gabrielle Bell work that she did for that Josh Bear project. I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it was like, oh, was it All Time Heroes? Yeah, All Time Comics. It was like the zero issue of Zerosis Deathscape has like a grim and gritty superhero origin period piece. By Gabrielle Bell. That's nuts. Actually, I have that. I have the that book, but I, I just haven't got a chance to really crack open and then like and and then and just get it, jump into it. But I, I looked through the the table of contents and I saw some very surprising. Names. Oh, but dude, that'd be also, funny I as fuck though. Will's Portacio just fucking laying down some inks on a on a Bell piece of Bristol. Dude, that would fucking rock. <laughs> I was all about. Hey, do you remember uh, there was an artist, uh, an alt cartoonist, uh, that he seemingly like had a, a new graphic novel every other day. I think his name was Scott Morse. Yes. And he had like the most loose. I, I, I and I, I admittedly like I it, it repulsed me then, but now like as, I, as I'm thinking back on it, like. Oh, maybe it, maybe I I was repulsed by it by because maybe it intimidated me that 
a person like this was so prolific and putting out so much stuff and people were printing his things and it was just so very minimal and, and, and experimental. I, I, cause I, cause now that I think about it, I, I can't really recall of anyone with his, uh, his technique or his, his, uh, his way of drawing forms and Pete and everything. It was, uh, different. So I, I, I kind of want to go back and look, look at that stuff and then see, Hey, what the fuck is Scott Morris doing? Maybe we'll add him on Instagram, uh, you know, tweet at him and say, man, I used to fucking hate your shit, but now like, I want to look at it somehow. I want to look at it. Yeah. He seems like one of those dudes where it's like, he had the right idea where I feel like I kind of like did the thing backwards in a way, figuring out how to draw where like I started out thinking I need to make an image absolutely as elaborate as possible with as much cross hatching and feathering as I can work in there. But it's just like, and I mean, of course it can be done really well, but for like an immature artist, it's just like a a crutch that you can use to like obscure how meager and like how meager your forms are or how poor your anatomy is or how like fucking lame and like uh, ill considered your composition is. But then dudes like Scott Morris, it's like you could like squint at a piece of his from 400 feet away. And it would just be bold as fuck. It would be unmistakable what was going on there. Right. He did like some book. It was like a something zombie town or, but it was like a cute zombie graphic novel. And I just flipped through it. And, but it just had, a, again, his idiosyncratic style and sort of this hideous green, like, uh, I think it maybe had like two different colors to it. I think it was like green, black, and white. And, yeah, now I now I want to fucking hunt that down and and uh, and find it in the library and read it for free. Or I don't know, maybe buy the goddamn thing and say, you know, Scott, man, maybe I have an apology and and this could be the new direction I'm going to take. I'm going to have to lift from Scott Morse. But but yeah, definitely like that that whole like overdrawing things and overdoing it to yeah to, to obfuscate like your your insecurities or you know trying to deliver your your thing, but. Just having weird cold feet about it, like I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe uh, people are going to judge me for this, but I'm already like doing something that 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 is uh, meaningless. Or, I don't know, it's not meaningless, but you know what I mean? Yeah, we're yeah, we know exactly what we. Do. What uh, what did you draw on the margins of your notebooks when you were back in high school? Oh, it was. I would do caricatures of people a lot, of just very loose drawings. Uh, sometimes I, I try to erase them real quick or, or scratch them out, but then I, I just, I couldn't allow myself to, then I hand in the assignment and then the teacher gets it and they're like, what? Like, you know, you're, you're having a detention (laughs) or having some conversation or just having the fucking, the assignment thrown out because, uh, it was perceived as offensive for whatever reason, like, you know, however you could imagine that a, a young me would, uh, what I would put on a paper. I definitely, I definitely. I remember shit like that having like probably the most like negative impact on me of like whatever interactions I had with authority back when I was a kid. Where it's like you do bad shit and you get in trouble. It's like you know it could be debated if it's like a good, bad, neutral thing or like how exactly a child is to be reprimanded or disciplined. But when like you would draw something and then you'd get reprimand or discipline or detention or whatever for no reason at all and then it's like you know what if this is going to just keep happening like coming from out of the blue 
then like you know fuck trying to adhere to the standard of you know social moray prescribed by high school teachers and administration i'm just gonna i'm gonna be a fucking bad boy yeah they only like it only encourages us to be uh to be quote-unquote worse or yeah to be bad to be to be weird or uh, yeah just it just emboldens us like oh yeah okay oh really like I'm, i'm just doing this thing that's like more or less innocent and actually, and, you know, fosters like a, a mind that's open that wants to learn and expand its horizons and, and be able to conceptualize things in their mind and then put it onto paper. And you want to discourage that? Okay. Let's see. Uh, let's see what, what else I can do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's funny though how, like, you know, I've got like friends who like have found like professional success in work that was like the nucleus of it and like the like engine that kept them going and just the the fodder for the progress that they like made over years was a spite and i guess it's like it's kind of funny how like how early like the seed of spite can be planted even before you can like identify what spite is without checking in a dictionary where it's like the fucking teacher got mad at me for like drawing on the back of my fucking worksheet I'm going to lean into this shit and draw absolutely as much as I possibly fucking can. And of course, you know, it's like, I want to grow up and draw fucking Batman comics and be a millionaire and live whatever fucking bizarre lifestyle that it doesn't exist of like a, a famous comic artist whenever I grow up. But <laughs> Oh man, I had a, well, I was always drawing, uh, in school, and I I, 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 I was never great at certain subjects. Maybe I was good. I think in sociology, I like that. I get in gym class. I like sociology and gym class and history class. How vicious of a dodgeball uh, player were you? I was. Uh, I you know for whatever reason I never learned how to. Or I felt like I never learned how to throw because I think when I was a kid, like I would I would throw something, and then someone would always say. Hey, you look like the F word, you know, the F-A-G word. I'm trying not to say like the the bad word, but like, yeah, you look like you throw like a girl. Oh, you're a bitch. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, I am. I'm a bitch. I throw like a girl. So like, I always been like self-conscious about throwing. So eventually I do need to go to a summer camp where I just spend three months learning how to throw like a, like a real man. (laughs) And I, I was great at dodging. So I, I, I hit some people sometimes and my throws yeah. were okay, whatever. But like my thing was I would love to be the last guy and then doing the Matrix thing, pre-Matrix, you know, like dodging three balls coming at me at once and, and just like just really – uh. Oh, yeah. And then how do you go and learn yeah. a thing after that? Like were you fucking completely neoed out in in real life? You fucking pulled off one miracle after another, and then you're supposed to go and sit down at a desk and quietly assimilate information into your brain from a book. Not a chance. I, I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't, and I didn't want to do it. Although now I'm, I have a memory now. I never was like an athletic guy, or I mean, like I wasn't into the sports really. It just wasn't my thing. But I'm, I'm whatever. I'm a little bit athletic. I can do something. Uh, but I just remember, because I think. In the movies, and sometimes I'd see it on the TV. I don't even like baseball, but we'd have like baseball in grade school. And <laughs> I thought that what you were supposed to do 
when you when you hit the ball is that you're supposed to throw the bat. You know, like it's kind of like a <laughs> like like you you want like the bat? <laughs> what would you mean? Like you throw it like oh oh you like fucking like whip it into like the bleachers or like you toss it after the ball or. Or that you, you you hit the ball and then you just kind of you whip it like you know behind yourself and then and then you run. For oh the yeah, sure. Why not? That sounds and awesome. I had, one, I had one of those aluminum bats and maybe I was like in fifth grade or something and and uh, you know I, I hit the ball in gym class. I whipped the bat and then there's a, a one of my classmates behind me hits him right in the leg. And like, <laughs> oh no! And it was <laughs> no. And I just and I bashed her legs. I mean, she. I didn't do any permanent damage that I'm aware of, but it was just one of those one of those lasting memories that was. Well, I don't know. It's kind. Of, it's kind of. I mean, it's whatever. It's kind of funny. I hurt the person. Yeah, sure. After that, you joined AA and started going to meetings, and you know, got your life together. <laughs> right. Yeah, man. I think that would be my next steps is is to because I mean, right now I'm like completely sober. I drank a pot of coffee, whatever. You know, I'm, I'm indoors. I'm not smoking. I'm not doing weed. I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing Adderall or nothing. I'm just just drinking coffee, and uh, maybe I'm going to start going to these fucking these things, and then I'm probably will corrupt my AA class. Do they call them classes? <laughs> You're fucking alcoholic. <laughs> no, I'm really not. Oh, man. I, I was just fooling, though. Are, are, you, are you actually uh, off the sauce? Uh, I mean, just, just right now. Nice. But I, I, I kind of like, I, I can go off for days or sometimes weeks. I've done some months where I, I've been dry, and then I realize, oh, wait, I haven't been completely fucked up. And and then I and then I almost feel obligated like well if I'm gonna drink then uh, or no I think no I, I can control this I can just I can just have three or four or just get a buzz and stop but it's, I get to this this level where the the appetite just becomes the and my impulses go away and then I'm just I fucking need to chug I gotta chug it up up oh the buzz is going away that super high is going away I gotta throw more alcohol down my gullet and. And uh, and maintain the buzz, and then before you know it, I'm I'm slumped over, blacked out, or mumbling around, or dragging my you know like dragging my fucking socks on the floor, you know, because I'm not picking my feet up. So it's uh, I'm trying to find a balance, and some you know sometimes I have it. I guess it really just kind of depends like what how I'm feeling, what how I'm doing, you know, what the the success rate of my projects, or how I'm how I'm delivering the, the thing, how I'm doing, you know. Because I, I think if you're if you're doing better, so I actually right now I think I'm doing okay. So I'm not I'm not fucked up. I'm not blacked out. I'm not doing things that I'll regret or be uh, you know chastised for later on. So I guess that's part of getting older too. Is so I want to avoid avoid that. You know, like create a new history for myself that is uh, lame. So I can assimilate. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. here. I'm just it's 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 a lot to mull over. You know, you, you want you want to offer a politic response to anyone who's uh, talking about you know making any type of serious focus change for the better instead of me just ribbing you or making some like vulgar reply. Do you get vulgar? Just no, gross. this is this is uh, this is going to be G-rated. I want I want my niece and nephew to listen to this one. I want them to listen to all ten minutes of me talking about Russ Heath is Heath's photo stats, and then they can, and then, and then 
<laughs> Dude, we, we we can talk about whatever we want now. I, we probably we probably lost everyone by now. Yeah. Okay, we're in the clear. I had a a teacher in grade school, and she was really busty, just giant fucking fat, beautiful tits. And I was I was in love with her tits. I she was a a fucking bitch. Were they, were they milky? And like like with like, like very pale. Like, I mean, I never, I, I never saw them on, you know. Oh, I, I guess, I guess that's I true. Know. Yeah, <laughs> I should, I should have been able to put that one together. I'm guessing there's never any cleavage oh, either. Uh, well, I mean, she would always wear like Cosby sweaters, like with des- you know designs in them and and whatever. But just you know, and, and as you're, de- and I, you know, pre, and this is like even like before I'm like twelve. I think I was like eight or something, or, you know. Just young, very young. So she'd wear sweaters, but she would. Here's the thing: she would wear these sweaters, and she would have, and she would have nothing underneath. So it was just her fucking giant tits pop, torpedo tits, beautiful. And my friend and I would be looking at each other like, "What the fuck is going on?" Because we could see her nipples through the, you know, the the thread holes, or you know, whatever the the fucking spaces in between the, the threads. You could fucking see her. She's a hero because like, you wouldn't think about it as a kid, but she's a fucking hero, not just for that, but also for like maintaining her career and professional identity among her peers and just never having any like child or adult address the subject out loud directly with her just for years, fucking rocking them loose like that. What a absolute hero legend. Uh, well, she's also like legendary. Like just recently, somebody added me on on Facebook, and it was a it was a, a woman who's married, has kids, but like she she had a first name that I the last name I didn't I didn't recall, but like the first name, like wait, could that be so and so from grade school? And I said, oh, like is that is like is that you? Because it's a different last name. It's like oh yeah, that is me. Like do you remember we were we had this teacher da 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 da. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, she was such a fucking bitch. And like, yeah, she was a bitch. And then I, I and I told her, like, yeah, do you remember like she would wear these sweaters with the fucking <laughs> just popping out in 3D? Fucking 10 D, like they're in your fucking face, and you can see her nipples. Am I crazy? He's like, uh, I don't need to know that. Like, yeah, you did. Or yeah, you need to like confirm what? that I'm not crazy. She fucking she she crazy. establishes rapport with you for the first time in decades and then gets gets fucking worked up over you mentioned <laughs> how is that not going to be the first detail that sticks in your brain about oh man um, to, to be honest she wasn't like really she wasn't like she didn't really come at me quite like that with that energy she was just like uh she just more or less said like oh yeah she yeah i remember so and so she was a she was a bit she was a bitch yeah, she was such a bitch how'd she say this but I, like her nipples, though I didn't need to. You know how that. like uh, you know how like uh, spouses will like jealously inspect the Facebook messages of their partner. I hope that her husband is like, who the fuck is Victor Cairo? Like you know how how dare he fucking? And then he's like, he he his eyes are like skimming across the the paragraphs of text. And then he gets to tits, and then he thinks that he's like at like the juicy part where you're like, you're gonna be like, you know, like I'm, I'm gonna fucking come all over your tits, this guy's wife, but it's just you talking about like, <laughs> he's like, oh, 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 okay, I got, I got, never mind, okay. 
And, you know, I wouldn't blame him because that's like, I think that's like a normal heteronormative cis gum response. Like, yeah, you have someone that you love. It's a woman, unless you're into cuck stuff, unless you want to be the bull or the cuck or whatever the fuck your thing is. Like me, I am a, fuck, a jealous dude. And if, and if some guy out of the blue, if, like, if I were to elaborate and to keep going on, like, I just wanted to like confirm a memory. I wasn't like trying to uh, open up some kind of remote flirty uh, text fucking sexting yeah i think you, i think like, if you're doing that no, on facebook now that. You, i think like you have to be in your 50s at least at this point as like a requisite for getting some pussy off of facebook yeah well you know what man i'm just call me 50 <laughs> i'm in you know like what well, i i don't even know if i if i could if there's even a chance for me to find like a romance a person to person like if anything they have to actually see the the court i because i in a way i feel like the internet is actually more of an accurate representation of like what i'm thinking what i want to express how i am and uh and and what you're in for if you input if, if you want to engage with me platonically or romantically i mean i'm i'm not i'm not available in the romantic uh, way you know right now or i mean i in the foreseeable future for the rest of my life hopefully but uh yeah man like fucking internet it's there for me to to just you know open up because otherwise in real life it may it, it can be difficult to um unpack yourself well, salute or, man yeah i know i know exactly what you mean and i think it's funny how yeah. like the internet can be used like as a device with which to like sanitize your identity and like compress it into like a digestible two-dimensional advertisement to a hypothetical romantic partner or as I can totally fucking relate to, if you're going to make any type of foray into online dating, you may as well, you know, not, not, not make any like wanton attempt to like alienate or frighten anyone, but you just got to put it all out there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess either, you, I mean, I guess you, like you're saying like you, you have to, but then like I, most people don't. And I, and you know, man, that's part of like me getting older is like fuck because I've been I've been living you know half of my life really on the internet probably since the late nineties you know that's we had the, we had the full internet or like it was sure. a cable modem back then and and then, and then I kind of I was like I veered away from it I wasn't like too attached to it but then fucking MySpace came to me or I mean came to came to us all and I mean in two thousand and five is when I was like I don't want because I was thinking back in two thousand and five I'm not gonna throw my I'm not gonna get into this thing that's like email and 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 chatting and tv and it's like it's all the different things and chat rooms and it's, it's just gonna suck up all my fucking time but then all my all my friends and every all my peers were all on it and so like if you're not a part of it then you're missing out the same and the same thing with the exodus you know with with the myspace i thought i was gonna like well i'm already fucking hooked on this myspace bullshit and what I need to leave this and then join another platform for the Facebook, but then you know MySpace became the, the ghost town that it is. It's a weird ghost town, and then and I went to Facebook and then I've been on there. But I've been trying to get off that fucking thing too because I think that actually maybe um, living life, <laughs> you know, living real life, not on the computer, maybe just be a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, I. I... What strikes me about what you have told me is that you were 
you were making a deliberation about how best to spend your time when all this shit first was created. I mean, how is you were like maybe 18, 19, 20 when like the option to get like a MySpace or a Facebook came around. Man, I was a, I was a grandpa. I was, tw- I was 25 when. when okay. I, I, I get it then. Cause it's like, I, I was like 15 when I got like a, Oh no, I guess I was a little, maybe a little like 17, but like when I got a MySpace, because it was like the last thought that was on in my mind was like, oh man, this is going to be an enormous waste of time. I, I better, I better like carefully weigh the value of getting this and maybe not get one. Cause like by the time I was 25, I was way more miserly with my time. But when I was like 17, it's just like, oh, who gives a shit? Right. I think, I, I think because it was like pre MySpace. There was still there was still the internet, still computers. I think my, my preoccupation, like with a lot of young guys, was uh, you know internet pornography. And back then, like, there was there was a directory called what the what what the fuck is it? it was called the Hun, and it was a giant yellow page like a like a like the phone book, and it just had all these like fucking five second like MPEGs. Uh, so and it, it could sometimes take up to thirty minutes to an hour to get. 10 seconds or 20 seconds. Oh yeah. But I mean, it's like, or... you're, you know, you've, you've got like two hours tops, maybe like maybe you've got like an hour and 10 minutes and you're pushing it. You may as well get that fucking 10 second MPEG because you know, if you're, if you're looking for 30 seconds of video, you've got to like throw a blanket over the computer and stand guard for 24 hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. And then you get called. You get called downstairs for dinner. <laughs> oh, oopsie, you know. And... <laughs> or, the, or you forget to turn up the speakers off on your. Thank uh, God, we're finally <laughs> talking about porn. Did you have a friend who recommended this site to you? Uh, how did it work? I'm trying to. I'm, I'm trying to remember because it's been so. It's been like. You know what I would do is years. I would. Uh... Uh, because I, like, I just didn't even know about how like deleting browser history was an option. I would uh, Google image search. I feel like I've probably even told you this before, but whatever. I would Google image search blonde, brunette, redhead. Just like, you know, pretty innocuous terms in and of themselves. But then I would just uh, turn like the safe search off. I didn't know. I didn't even know you could do. Oh, because did, did your did your parents put uh, put settings on your on your network? <laughs> oh no, there, there was never any type of parental oversight into what I was jamming into my brain at any point. But just like uh, on like Google image or Google image search, I think just Google search in general, there's like an automatic default where it's like not showing you porn, and then you just have to like go into your Google settings and turn it off. Okay. Huh. I wasn't even aware of that. I'll, uh, oh, this is a... You're, you're like, ho- hold on a second, and you're like going into your Google to change the settings right now. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. I may have told this story on one of my uh, one of these pods, and I don't know. No, I, go I, ahead, go ahead. I, don't, I, I try not to to do it, do it, go ahead. re-listening to stuff and just... Go. So anyway, I was 23 years old and li- living in like a like a boarding house uh, situation, 
And I didn't have, so I didn't have like my own home computer. I would go to the library every other day to go online and to whatever, hang out. It was just, I mean, ugh. Anyway, so that was, that was like a thing that I would do. I was, I was basically like a fucking, a really young guy, young man who was like one of those fucking losers that you'd see uh, in a public library who you'd, be, who you'd almost want to call <laughs> the cops on. So anyway, I'm, so I'm in the computer lab with a free computer using it, using the internet. You know, you get, I think, I think we were allotted, uh, you could get like a 30 minute increments or an hour increment or maybe up to two hours. Anyway, so I'm on there. I'm just like doing email and, and whatever. I think it was like pre MySpace, but it was still, I, I used to write a lot of emails and go to websites and just look at different art and whatever. And so I was 23. So this is seven, eight, 17, 18 years ago. And the thing is like, you're in a, you're in a, on a public internet on the, in the library, the public library. And there's these uh, two kids. I assume that they were like brother and sister. And there were uh, two, yeah, like maybe, how old were they? Like, I can't imagine any older than eight or nine years old. Like, they were like very, like, uh, you could tell that they were very similar in age. Uh, and they were, they were black. And I just, I just hear like a, a laughing, ha, 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 motherfucker. And I turn around like, what? Like, are they, are they, are they calling me a motherfucker? Like these kids? And I turn around. And they're, they have porn. They have like, like a, like this facial, like extreme oh, bukkake no. facial humiliation right up. And they're just like scrolling through it and laughing and just having the time of their life. Uh, yeah, it was like, it was just a, like a surreal memory that I had. And, and then someone hears this and says, oh, why do you have to mention that they were black? I don't know, because they were, because like, that's no, you, how, you're good, man. It's all, it's all good. You know? <laughs> the, uh, what what sticks out to me about that from like a very young age, it sounds like, because I, I see adults doing it all the time, but just people laughing when they're uncomfortable, where it's like a thing that grates on me, where I guess like I wouldn't have been too annoyed in a situation as surreal as that, but just uh, it, it's funny how like that's like innately part of you. It might not even be a thing that's learned when you don't know how to process a thing or like how to respond to it. You just resort to going ba ha ha ha. Yeah, I, that's you know. I think I think. I mean, are you are you like not guilty of that? Is that something that you fight? Um, that, that, that doesn't happen, I, dude. I I feel like I like monitor and censor myself in these weird ways where like I I probably do, but I I just like I can't quite see it. Where like if like you know like let's say you're. Uh, you're talking with someone and like uh, there's like a, a schizophrenic person like screaming on the other side of the street. It's like, I'll just keep talking to that person. Like, and then like, if like the person gets distracted, I'll get annoyed. I'll be like, whatever. It's a schizophrenic person who fucking cares. But then like, I mean, like I try to like be like less fucking lame and you know, lame and corny like that. Or it's just like, or like when like an ambulance or a fucking cop car goes screaming by it's like people who will like turn their heads or crane their necks or whatever to like observe it. Or even like people who are like, Oh, like I, I hope everything's okay. I feel like there's just like these like weird (laughs) habituated behaviors that are like polite that, that I, I will have nothing to do with them. Yeah. You know, 
because I, I know what you're saying, and like there's part of me that I guess it, it depends on the day or what what's going on in my head and my life, and or who like I'm spending most of my time with. Like maybe if if I was doing like caretaking at an elderly home, and and was just mostly like surrounded with that with like uh, octogenarian or boomer energy and and those sort of sentiments they they seep in, then I probably would be definitely uh, craning the head every time a cop car went by or or the. But also, like, I think a lot of that, too, is, you know, like self-preservation where you want to make sure that, yeah, like, is this is trouble coming my way? And if so, like, brace myself or abate it or, yeah, brace yourself and get ready for the conflict, you know, with the, these things. Or, you know, make sure that the it's not a, a giant fucking gas explosion unless you, maybe you just move in that split second to evade. A, but I feel like that's like, uh, maybe like the, like the more of like a another like facet of like the boomer mentality that you mentioned where it's like death and injury are lingering in my periphery at all times where it's like, you know, naturally look both ways before you cross the street. But I feel like little is to be gained from like going about life as though like great pain awaits you at any moment. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely a hard thing to, to kick. Cause I, as you say that, like, I know I definitely, like, if I'm in a public place, I have my eyes on the different, you know, I'm just, I have my eyes open and I'm, it's like whatever, I guess they call that hypervigilance. And I think like, well, you know, like everything's going, and I, and I try to be chill and, and sometimes I am very chill and, and maybe even seemingly oblivious and find myself oblivious at times. But a lot of times I am like a, a bit on edge. And I think that's also probably, you know, uh, why I have a, you know, sometimes when I'm out social, I, I get, uh, I like to have a few cocktails. Or whatever else, so I could just like I can tone that down, uh, so I'm not like fucking bugging. You know, my eyes aren't bugging out of my head, and I'm not thinking that someone is gonna you know creep around and you know, whatever. But I don't know. Have you ever have you ever been assaulted out of the blue? You're cold cocked, or yeah, you know, a, a couple times. I remember there's uh, there's one time where I because uh, like I I was like thinking about. Like what it would be like to talk to some from somebody like from like another country about cops, and like how I would like try to describe American cops. Anyways, I was uh, I was out running, and I uh, somebody asked me if I had a cigarette, and I said I took out my earbuds and said, "Huh?" And then they said, "You you got a cigarette?" And then I started saying. Oh no, I'm sorry. Ha, sorry, I didn't hear you. I actually I don't smoke. I and then you know I've got like two dudes behind me, like locking my arms up behind my back, and then the dude in front just started fucking rocking my face with right and left hooks, and then I just thought, and then like I like I, I wiggled my way loose because I was slick with sweat from running around in the summer heat, and then I got down uh down to like the main drag, and there was a cop out front of the fancy Italian restaurant. And I, like, I was like, fucking, I just got the shit beat out of me by three, fucking three teenagers. And then cop was like, uh, or like, you know, I, I was probably a little more, you know, mild than that. But the cop was like, like what do they look like? And I said, uh, they were, uh, I don't know, somewhere between like 16 and 20 black. He's like, what were they wearing? And I was like, I, I have no idea. He's like, what do you want to do? And I was like, ah. Fucking never mind, man. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck are you going to do then? 
Yeah, what's their yeah, what's their Instagram handle? You know, yeah, literally. Did they have basketball? Yeah, basketball? I mean, it's just like, I guess like you know, I'm I'm sorry to like like oh god, I wish I hadn't brought race back into it because it's just you know fucking obvious that like if I did press it any further, it'd just be licensed for a cop to torment a few black teen like whichever like the first black teenagers they came across happened to be. Yeah, it's it sucks. It sucks when that any of these things happen because I mean, that's the same thing. Ha- I mean, similar thing happened to me where a dude came up to me. He, hey, man, like, do you know what time it is? And I, and I just I answered him honestly, like, because I knew what time it was. I even looked at my wrist. I didn't. I wasn't wearing a watch, but I still looked at my wrist. But I knew what time it was. You know, whatever. Maybe I thought I was being charming or something like that. Oh yeah, it's like two thirty in the morning. And this guy, like, how this guy approached me, he hopped out of a fucking clown car, a ghetto blasting clown car. Because it was just like, it's 2.30 in the fucking morning. Obviously, this guy's a party. Like, his billows of fucking weed smoke. I mean, I could smell the weed smoke. But I figured, like, whatever, man. This guy just wants to know what time it is. Because I'm just like, I'm just, I'm also, again, when I was 23, it was a cute age. And uh, like, yeah, it's like two thirty. I looked. Down, oh, yeah, you're telling you're telling Tony Millionaire about this one. And then like I, oh, it did. Yeah, it was, it was one of the. It was just one of those. Yeah, one of those experiences. I know I've had like similar other experiences like that, but whatever. It's like, I guess. Uh, oh, you know, recently a few. <laughs> this was in, this was in broad daylight. It was it wasn't near the 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 hostility level, but. Was just getting out of the car in the Lowe's parking lot, and uh, this uh, young gentleman says to me, "Like, oh man, hey man, can I just, can I just have that car? Like, can I just like take your car out and just like you know have your car for like a week?" Uh, and I said, and I turn, I turn around and it's like a young guy. He's like maybe my height, maybe a little taller, but but like uh, maybe. Maybe close to two hundred and seventy pounds. So I'm already like Uh-oh. whatever. I'm, I'm putting the stats and I look at them up and down split second. I'm like, and my eyes bug out of my fucking head. And I said, no. And then and then I just turn around. But maybe, oh, I'm a Karen now. Uh, so anyway, so I turn around. And he's like, like, oh come on, man, why not? And I just like, and I just kept walking. So I thought he maybe he probably thought I was like he was being cute and funny and whatever. But I don't fucking know who you are. And that's not cute, and that's not funny. And don't do that. Because, I mean, the thing is, I know, and also, not to be a hypocrite, like, I know I've probably done equally as fucking ignorant and stupid things like that. And the responses that I got were warranted, like, because they were negative. So don't do shit like that. And then you won't, you won't have people thinking that you're a, a fucking menace or whatever. Uh, yeah. You know, one time when I was 16 years old... I guess maybe this was like my half white privilege, right? I'm in I'm in the Okie Dokie little mini mart. It's like a like a little liquor store that sells you know other amenities. And I was 16, but I was I was already like six foot, and pretty much the same build, but you know younger, but still had like a five o'clock shadow, and wearing a leather jacket. I thought it was cool, whatever. And there's a cop in there. And I wanted to test his boundaries. I'm like, oh, it's a fucking cop. And I goof, I clown and goof on people and whatever. I guess I've, I, you know, whatever. I've tested people's boundaries. And I thought I've never fucked with a cop before. So uh, he's 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 at the register, and I'm kind of walk around him, and I tap him on the shoulder, and he just turns around. He's kind of like, 
and I just kind of like smile at him, and we just have like this little like huh laugh. <laughs> I'm like, huh, what? And I, I what the fuck do like I'm not actually gonna take his gun out of his holster, but if I can get his gun out of his holster, it's just a joke, right? I'm thinking in my head, and so I. I grant, you know, I, I just kind of like do a pause. Because I've already smiled at one another, you may as well try another little <laughs> gambit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I do like a grab at his, you know, towards his holster. And he turns around and he, and he really flipped out at me. He threatened to, uh, what do you call it, uh, arrest me and this and that, blah, 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 blah. Like he act, like he didn't, he didn't draw his weapon on me, but. Uh, you, you know, describe describe scary. more this paw at never, his holster never, that you made. Do you, you just like you, you tap on it or like caress it? I just I just like well since I since I got a, I got away with a little little giggle like a mutual like giggle that we had that I tapped him on the shoulder like oh it's like, oh, it's like oh hey you know and I'm and I I'm just being a goofy kid I thought well I'll just be a goofy kid that like. <laughs> that grabs for us. <laughs> that rocks. You fucking flipped out. And you were like, geez, man, if I knew you were going to be a fucking dick about it. Yeah. He's... Yeah. I, just, I guess I didn't really I didn't really understand the gravity of it. And uh, I, mean, I would never do that now because I think I would actually deserve to, or I would, you know, because you're asking for it. Like, yep. and I, I, I wouldn't do that now. I mean, unless, unless it was a, a crooked cop who was a rapist and a murderer and a, pedophile then grab his gun if you can and shoot him if you you know if he's a real piece there's of this shit. cop at but, the you know, the grocery that? store by where i used to live on the other side of town and i think about how like grocery store cop has got to be the sweetest fucking job in the world because whenever i see them they're like texting someone or like having like a conversation with someone or just like looking like they're about to fucking fall asleep where they stand I guess it doesn't sound so great now, but anyways, the uh, this fucking guy, he like, uh, he kind of looked like, uh, like eighteen uh, hundreds New York Irish stereotype cop, just like a swollen, like red gin blossom nose type guy, and he would go, he would like walk, he'd do a right. lap around the store and he'd go to the deli where my buddy was working at the time, and he would ask him. Like, you know, I'll take another slice of ham. And there was like a specific type of ham that they had there that was like, had like the essence of garlic, uh, like infused into the ham product. And my buddy would like pass him slices of ham over the counter. And the guy would just like, because you know, like when you give like a dog food, it, it, like it doesn't like take, like stop to taste it or think about how it tastes. It just like gets into it. The guy would like inhale, right. literally, he would start breathing in, and like the hand would like catch upon the current of wind and then like fly into his mouth and then be gone as he like <laughs> was ta- like before he'd even taken his first step away. And then he'd be back fucking like, you know, eight minutes later to, for another piece of ham. And I was, I was, cause like what I would do is I would go to the place, the, the grocery store called Foodland, and I would go there. And there would be like some sort of like fancy imported Swiss cheese or something. And I'd tell my buddy to like cut two pounds of it. And then he'd put it between two pieces of bread and he'd label it employee deli sandwich. And then it would only cost 99 cents. So that's like the grift that I had going with the deli. But then like while we're in the middle of like robbing his employer, this cop would come by and he'd be like, 
hey there, I'll have another slice. And like you'd see like the fucking like look of like murderous hatred in my boy's eyes. And I'll be like, dude, explain to me what's going on. He's like, this fucking cop keeps coming back here for garlic ham. I, all I do all fucking day is ham. This guy's slice is a garlic ham. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Nate, check this out. I, I need to stop the recording and then I'm going to. Oh, dude, I know the deal. One hour is the limit. Let's do it. A few more stories left. Sounds good. Okay, so I'm going to end this. I'll, I'll call you right now. Yay! Nathaniel! There, brother. How are you doing? Bro, long time no blue live. Now we got we, we got we, we got to talk about a couple of uh, projects here that uh you know like we got to do kind of like a promotional comic stuff. Yeah, let's let's get it on, man. Okay. Uh, all right, go ahead. You're go you're you're on, buddy. Get on the stage. The Come on, Vic, throw me a softball. The uh, uh, so yeah, you're working on you're working on some new projects. Tell me tell me about some of the stuff that you're working on. Cause you're, the thing is, when I go to your Instagram. And you can find my friend uh, Nate McDonough on Instagram at Grixley Cola, Grixley underscore Cola, correct? Uh, no, no underscore, just uh, G-R-I-X-L-Y-C-O-L-A. Hell yeah. So find him there. Uh, I'll probably, most, you know what, I think within the, uh, the description I can include a link. So, yeah, what's a, what is amazing and really impressive about you is that you seemingly have you're working on a new comic every every time I go on there I see something new you're and it's a it's a new comic story whether it's because uh, uh, so, you do like some autobiographical things and the these these uh, these books that you put out the Grixleys they're one man anthologies and aside from that then you do these other like uh, uh, themed books or books where they are they're homages and, and uh, uh, parody plays on on our most beloved cartoon characters. Uh, uh, one of them most notably, or maybe not, whatever, in recent history was the, the Silver Surf, was it uh, Silverman, the, silver, the guy who surfs in the space. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I, I did, uh, I did the, a comic called Cosmic Surfer with my Canadian pal, Patrick Sparrow, and he... Uh, He's got as as satisfying an approach to just like the most infantile pee pee poo poo humor <laughs> I've I've ever witnessed in my life. Where he he finds a way to like give it much more like I mean it's like it's never tedious and it never makes you groan. He's he's got he's got a he's got a depth touch with it, but I he like kind of like wrote a quick little story outline and I did my best to like crowbar a bunch of pathos into the second half of it yeah i felt that there was there was a pain to it there was a almost a torture porn rapey element to it which uh, (laughs) again like these sort of like horrific things they they repulse me but they also draw me in you know like uh the same kind of fascination that i had or the uh the curiosity to watch the serbian film Ooh, i still haven't seen that one Oh man, really? Yeah, I don't know. I still haven't seen Cannibal Holocaust. I still haven't seen Salo. You know, I think like those are 
for me, like Salo was a one, like, I can't say that I enjoyed it because it's, it's really depraved. It's, it's really sick. Uh, Cannibal Holocaust similarly is pretty depraved, really sick, but has a beautiful score, original music. Uh, oh, from- Riz Ordoliani. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Oh, my fucking Kang. <laughs> Dude, that fucking rocks. The, uh, also, have you ever seen? Have you seen any of the original the Mondo films? The Italian I, Mondo. I have not. Uh, fuck, well, I guess, man, because you haven't seen any of these things, but you're like you're cognizant of them. Like you know they're out out about, and you kind of have an idea of like their yeah their import. Sure, yeah, yeah. But they. D- there was a series of these Italian films called the Mondo series and whatever. Uh, there's going to be someone that listened to this like, ah, oh, you didn't describe this accurately. Blah, blah, blah. Actually, blah, blah, blah. It was actually French and Italian. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> whatever. In the sixties from, this is like me with my fucking, my alcohol brain. I mean, alcohol free brain right now, but my brain damaged brain, uh, recalls sure. the Mondo series, uh, a, t- a series of Italian. Uh, uh, the thing is it, it, it wasn't just uh, an Italian Mondo is the world, the globe. It's uh, it's the world. So it, they Mondo Cane was the the initial, like the thing that spurred these these very how they're like exploitative documentaries that are like they're like they're 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 they're, they're documentaries, but they're also they're very they're they're shot and they're edited in a way, and they have a, a they have a fucking there's there's sinister like that sinister exploitative gnarly kind of like evil that like that little that little flair of like a of a, a very dark sense of humor and sort of like a what's the what's the word like a like a nihilism to it but then also like some contrived version of care of 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 warmth and soul that's put into it or whatever I'm not like a fucking an expert on how to hey man it sounds great I'll check it out. But it sounds okay, right up my alley. Ortolani did the the theme song for the theme music for Mondo Cane, which was also that same music was then lifted for Jackie Chan's Drunken Master, and I had to like find that. I went back in time from from like wow, I love the music from the original Drunken Master, nineteen seventy eight Jackie Chan. Where did this fucking music come from? And then when I was seventeen, I watched Mondo Cane, and it all came together. That's a and, small world, man. That fucking rocks. I've only been getting into Jackie Chan recently. Have you been like his his recent movies? Like Police Story. <laughs> yes. Yeah, man. It fucking rocks. Because like I was, I was talking to my buddy about it, and he's like, he's like, oh yeah, I, I saw that one. Is that the one where there's like the car chase that goes through a village down the side of a mountain? And I said, oh no other. That's exactly the one. That one, I, that might be my, aside from the original Drunken Master, that one might be like my favorite as far as just, it's, it just has the right amount of everything. Yeah, and it's like, I, I feel like the the point that I always harp on whenever like, usually like Asian movies come up, especially like, uh, especially Korean ones, I, for whatever reason, a lot of movies I like come from Korea. They just, I don't know what it is, man, but they like, they're not shy to just absolutely smash together disparate genres in a way that would never be permissible in America where it's like in like uh, 
police story, you've got like the absolute most fucking like heavy handed pathos imaginable of like, you know, oh, like, you know, like I've, I've just split up with my girlfriend and she's never going to see me again. And like, you know, I got fired from the police force. So I had to take my boss hostage and I go on the run. But like that can be like directly in between like, oh, no, I accidentally sat on my birthday cake and there are too many phones <laughs> and I have to answer all of them. Yeah, man. Yes. I think what Korean cinema became, what Hong Kong movies were in the 80s and the 90s. And then like because I, I was a fucking Hong Kong fanatic nut. And I was I was buying VHS tapes from Tyson Videos, ordering through Suncoast, paying thirty five dollars, forty dollars. Oh man! <laughs> when I was seventeen years old, I, I was chasing these movies. I fucking because because the internet was different. You didn't you still didn't have the access for the stuff. Maybe there was like downloads of things, but I didn't really have like super powerful computing systems. Were and I just wasn't I wasn't doing that. I wasn't downloading movies. I was. Dude, that fucking rocks! It connected with you in a in a serious way. You like it was just like top priority to to track to locate them and procure them. I man, I I really it was it was more or less my life. I'd make my friends watch them, and they would just groan. They didn't like. I was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, Vic, and I, they would like. I I would force people to watch things that would they they would never watch on their own in subtitles on VHS, grainy. But the uh, anyway, so the. The Korean, like, yeah, the set, like, the 80s, the 90s, the, yeah, the, all the, the disparate, different, the different elements would all be in the same film and all make it, it congeal. And that's what I like about, I like, I like it when, when something is that free and you can, and if it's, and if you have, and if the pieces are good, they'll work. Like a Supreme Pizza, like a lasagna, you have, all, like, or, or things that are, you know, have, have stark differences in the, in the recipes. And if, but if it tastes good, then it's good. And, and, and with and like, and that's kind of like with the fucking those Hong Kong movies. The, the proof is in the pudding. Movies, yeah, absolutely. They would, yeah, there would be comedy, romance, drama, thrills, sci-fi, action, kung fu, this and that. Or maybe, maybe it wouldn't be all those things, but at least, but they, they could. It could, you could still have a laugh and a drama. Yeah, but it betrays this like level of like ambition and imagination that. Like, is to uh, be irresistible or the uh the rubric for a lot of people when it comes to like modern american cinema is like well, there was a plot hole or like that wasn't very believable and it's just like that's like the the prism through which like the entire vision of the film must like fucking drag itself and be completely annihilated in the process where it's just like, I, I don't people who are actually trying to like test it against some standard of coherency where it's just like, I, I would, I would feel clever if I like noticed some sort of like inconsistency in a film from like the second act to the third, but I would spend zero seconds dwelling on it. Right. You know, I, I think that, uh, yeah, when I was a young kid watching things and I whatever overthinking everything, there like sometimes if I if I did find you know I didn't even know the fucking I didn't know what fucking plot holes meant as a as a as a kid, but like or, or I didn't I didn't know all the terminology, but like I would I, I would know like inconsistencies or things like that. 
but then there were some things that like defied the inconsistencies and you wouldn't care. And I, and what I always think of the prime example for me would be like falling in love with the evil dead films. You know, that you have evil dead one, then you have evil dead two army of darkness. And so what, so evil dead two is a sequel, but wasn't he just there in the first one? He had to kill all of his friends, but he went back to the same cabin with his girlfriend. Like so, it's not a sequel. It's actually just a remake of the first one. And then there's then you then you then you jump you know ten years later when they made Army of Darkness. There's these inconsistencies that like you just I just like brushed them away. I said I don't care because I love the characters. I love the direction. I love everything about it. I love the story. And so inconsistencies I don't give a shit because this is like this is now a new painting. Even 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 if it's tied back to the you know to the uh, whatever to the the prequel. Yeah, Sam Raimi's the fucking man, and you can tell he probably doesn't care either because it's like the the first two movies being what they are. I'm sure there's probably precedent for it, but it's got to be pretty rare. And anyone who's just like, I have like, I have an idea of what I want to do and like a template that I want to work from and like a like atmosphere that I want to establish, and that they can like you know nail it. And then be like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I, I've spent so much time just like living in this in my head. I may as well just give it another go. I think I've got like, I think I can like say something worthwhile consecutively. But I, dude, fucking rocks. And I mean, I remember I would. Uh, there used to be a, a theater where it's ninety nine cents to see any movie. It was a dollar ninety nine, and then they bumped it down to just ninety nine cents. So I would go to see every single fucking movie there. And there'd be things like Drag Me to Hell that I may have never otherwise checked out, but that movie is one of my absolute favorites. That was a 2009 Drag Me to Hell? Yes. You know, I could go back and I I, I, I haven't seen it since it came out. I, actually, that's when I... Yeah, I, I, I remember when I, was, when I seen it, but that yeah, it was 2009. Um, but with the... Because, you know, I think for the rest of my life, Evil Dead 2 will always come back. And then we were, we were talking about, you know, the, the different elements coming together that would normally never go together. Yeah. Like, I, for me, Evil Dead 2, and this is, I guess, this is how my fucking, my, 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 how I took it in. Like, to me, it, it did work. It, it, there were scares. There was comedy. And there was drama. Like, I actually, like, I felt bad. I, and I actually, I, I bought the character Ash. I thought this guy, he, he seemed actually like a real douchey, kind of lovable older brother douchey kind of character kind of like a, like, a, like a jerk asshole jock who ultimately was a person with feelings and was trying to cope in this this uh you know impossible scenario uh it's a beautiful movie and also i mean just and just visually and just the way that the, he i mean it's, it's just so creative and just i i don't know if there's if there's ever been a film that was filmed quite like that with horror and comedy all fused together and shot that way and with those practical effects and just, and there was like the action. Like it, it, it's fucking action packed. Like everything. Yeah, and I mean, I, uh, like in, in my library of opinions about the evil dead movies. And I like, I, it's another one of those things where I was kind of a douche like this very much. Like I was about music where there'd be these like rote opinions that were easy to parrot and, you know, there's still plenty of instances where like, a movie gets remade and it's like, you know, Godspeed, best of luck to you, but why the fuck would you want to mess with perfection? Why would you want to situate... Or, like, when somebody, like, 
does like writes like a Watchmen comic or whatever, and it's like, oh yeah, go ahead, best of luck, get compared to Alan Moore and see how you do. Like instead of fucking writing anything else or like coming up with an original idea or whatever. But when they when they remade Evil Dead, I was like, I wasn't doing any like I wasn't putting any effort into get myself like wound up or upset about it like a fucking nerd would. But I uh, I was just fully prepared for it to be like mediocre through and through. That was a good fucking movie, man. And it was like totally different. It just app, you know, oranges and bowling balls. But that, did you did you check that one out? You know, I I've been meaning to to watch it. Okay, did you and did I, you watch I Don't Breathe? Did you watch the movie Don't Breathe? Wait, uh, I don't even know if I know what that is. What is it's that? uh the same director? I think same writer director, but uh, as like the Evil Dead movie because the Evil Dead like remake solid. Don't breathe is what I would recommend if you're going to check anything out. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Is it? Would you say? Well, no spoilers. Is it? What? Uh, you know what? I'm going to fucking be the enemy here because I fucking I hate when things are just relegated to oh it's this genre or it's that genre. But would you if you could? Well, I don't know. Just give me like a a one sentence, not even a synopsis, something that's vague, but just gives me just a little inkling about what it is. Yeah. Sure. It's uh. So there's, uh, it's like a pretty ramshackle part of Detroit rundown. There's a, like a crew of just like fringe dwelling criminal types who have heard rumor about an old blind guy who is hiding hundreds of thousands of dollars somewhere in his house. And it's like, who better remark, right? And then... You know, like, but perhaps there's some sort of like menace that waits for them within the house. And like, you're like 20 minutes into the movie and you're like, this, how can this movie be any longer than 40 minutes? What are they possibly going to do? And then they do some cool shit. It was a treat, man. I like that one. Oh, wait, 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 wait. It has, it has the white haired guy from Avatar. I never saw Avatar. You've never seen Avatar? Dude, the, uh, the, I, I guess I've technically seen Avatar. But uh, think about how, like, James Cameron was, like, attempting to change the way that audiences view films by, like, creating with, like, cameras that he invented in this, like, super convoluted, advanced, futuristic, cutting-edge way. And, like, just, like, new technologies had to be established to make this film viewable in the way that was consistent with his vision. I saw Avatar... Uh, sitting about halfway, like in the middle of a of a Greyhound bus, going from Los Angeles to San Francisco while the sun was setting. So the glare on like the one foot screen that was like thirty feet in front of me made it impossible to like discern whether it was like a human or alien face at any given time. <laughs> so I was like, I fucked up not checking it out when it was in the theater, and I I, I intend to get around to it at some point, but. I have not seen Avatar. Man, do you? When was the last time you did a, a Greyhound bus? I uh, I would say, I think it was a couple years ago, and I was coming up from uh, I was coming up from North Carolina to, uh, and it's, isn't it great how you can't fucking ride a Greyhound bus and like not come off with at least a decent story? Or I was like, I was coming up from North Carolina to. Uh, Pittsburgh and I was visiting a bunch of places in between so I was just like taking like the Greyhound bus out into the sticks and then like they 
they'd get, arrive like four hours late or like not show up at all. And, but anyways, the, uh, I was taking this one from Charlottesville to, to Washington DC on this little like weekend I had planned for myself. And the, uh, the driver got lost and was like shouting back to the bus. Like, can someone please come up here and give me directions? I don't know where I am. And then he, we were on like some like country highway and the trees were growing so densely on it that he uh, was like tearing like large branches off of trees, trying to complete this turn that he was making. So he ended up, wow. it was like, he made this like 32 point turn where it was like, as, and he's like working the wheel hard as fuck the whole time where it'd just be like reverse drive, reverse drive, reverse drive, reverse drive for like eight minutes. It fucking rocked me. <laughs> it was, it was, I was, I was actually in the bathroom while it started happening. So I came out and then there were people who heard me fucking slamming into both sides of the bathroom who were looking at me like, <laughs> which is one of those like moments of this like unguarded friendliness that I've ever had on a bus like that, where I feel like never am I more like, leave me the fuck alone. Do not make eye contact with me. Leave just like with them when I'm on a Greyhound, but it's just like, like I, I had some buddies for a minute there, but then I remember like whatever, whatever high I was riding off of from that, it was maybe like 12 hours later and I was up in Baltimore. And I remember there was this lady who came onto the bus and it's like, this is like, like some Cormac McCarthy, the road type thing to witness where she comes on with her daughter and she's, she's shouting at everyone at the top of her fucking lungs at like two, 3 AM. She's like, my daughter and I, are traveling together and her daughter's like 16 17 18 19 i don't know but like seems like she can like take care of herself just fine she's like we need to sit together we're sharing snacks and she holds up this big bag full of snacks that she packed for her and her daughter and she like rearranges like all the people like so a bunch of people seated on the bus such so that her and her daughter can sit next to one another and it's like it doesn't have to be any more complicated than like her asking the person who she was gonna sit next to anyways. Sorry, I'm getting pretty out in the weeds on this one. But she ended up somehow like reseating four or five different people to get her daughter next to her. And one of them was a blind man. And she comes over and starts yelling at this blind dude and like not even giving him a second to like process what is being asked of him. And she's like like physically like shoving him to like get his bag and fucking get the fuck out of his seat and i thought i mean what do you expect to see on a greyhound one time i was on a greyhound and fuck driver pulls over to the side of the highway and like smacks the shit out of a dude who was smoking in the bathroom till his nose was bleeding yeah (laughs) oh i love that oh oh but now now actually would be ideal to go on a Greyhound now because then you could fucking uh, you can vape and no one's gonna know. Yeah, I I I can only just like yeah exactly. <laughs> you need to get so fucking high that you can't even function. Like I I remember uh, I was I was very fond of the the mega bus from Pittsburgh to New York City though. I hope I hope bus travel comes back at some point. I guess like like it's like the grass is greener type shit because. I know that, like, riding the mega bus, I'd have moments where I'd think, like, I'd pay $10 if I could just stand up and walk 100 feet. But, like, looking back on it now, it's like, oh, man, that was the fucking best. And then there was the taco stand and drum PA halfway through. Mm. I, I miss, I do miss the, uh, like, the different little pit stops and the, 
whatever we call those, the fucking the motor parks. What do you call those things? Oh, uh, I I don't know, convenience stores. I know what you mean, though. Yeah, yeah. Where they're just like, yeah, they're like they're like depots for the for the bus or the bus. Like it's just like there or the rest stops. The rest. Are, stops are you familiar with like, uh, like gas station MTO food? What's what's MTO? It's made to order. It's like where you go into a gas station and there's like a touch screen and you like enter what you want on it and then like they make it for you and call your number and then you take it up to the register. No, I've actually, I've never I've never done it like that. The uh, it's it's a pretty popular thing out around like the Ohio, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia area, and I've eaten much MTO and like when I'm on the road, it's sometimes like all I'll fucking eat for days in a row. And I remember one time I was riding a Greyhound though, and the driver he like pulls over next to a Sheets gas station, and he says, uh, you know I'm I'm you know we're we're getting out here." I'm gonna have a cigarette. I'm taking a 10 minute break. Like, we, if you go across the street and you order MTO, you will not have enough time to get back on the bus. We are only taking a 10 minute break. I repeat, do not go over and order MTO. And I fucking got off the bus, sprinted across the street, ordered MTO, and then I saw the bus driver coming in, and I like hid behind this rack of chips. And there are other people who are like still in the process of ordering MTO, who he just started fucking hollering at. And it's like it's one of those moments where it's like I guess I should it should be like sobering or like making me like reflect on like the errors I've made in my life that have brought me to this point. But I was like hiding like I was in a fucking uh, action suspense thriller from the Greyhound bus driver as he was like fuck trying to bust people for ordering MTO. And dude, I I got that motherfucking sandwich and was back on the bus with ninety seconds to spare. You know me. Man, those are like those are like these little these little memories like that because like now that you're as you're like saying these things, it's, it's like jogging me through, you know, uh, many 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 trips on the Greyhound from I'd come I go from the from the Midwest from Iowa to New York. I did that several times to Washington D.C. from Iowa. Man, you're a fucking times. hero. That but, sounds nuts. Well, you'd be like twenty twenty four to twenty nine hours on the bus. Oh, it, but it was like also it was fun because sometimes you'd you'd, like, you'd meet somebody and have a conversation that, with someone who I might mean, had a couple a couple times. Oh man, <laughs> I, I I had a I had a, I had a few that were where I thought like maybe it was odd because otherwise like if if they lived in my in my hometown and they were like. I don't know, we went to school together or something. They could actually still be my friends. But this was like pre pre all the social media and the way that it is now that like, I don't know, you just, you, you, you end up, you're like friends with somebody for 12 hours or 15 hours and then you never see him again. But like you're talking like, you know, you're talking for an entire day. Yeah, man, t- t- tell me about some Greyhound buddies. I had a, <laughs> I had he was an Israeli Jewish guy. Yeah, <laughs> his name was Danny. Hey, Danny, if you're fucking listening to this, uh, you know, uh, just email me. You know, you know how to find me, Danny, at the Suck My PB Bitch podcast. If you want to be a guest, you want to talk about the time that we hung out for, like, I think, because yeah, we, I was going to New York, and we got on the we got on the bus together in Chicago. So like from from uh, Dubuque, Iowa, to Chicago is a four hour ride. Uh, on the bus, and then from there was Chicago all the way to New York, and then we became—I uh, don't know—I I guess we were friends. 
I mean, it got to the point where like he he bought water. He bought me a water. He let me use his cell phone to to call the person I was meeting in New York. And then when you got to Chicago and I, you were like, "Oh man, it was nice to meet you. Are you getting off here?" And he's like, "Nope, I'm going to New York." Were you like, "Fuck yes"? It was. I guess we just started talking because we almost looked the same. Because I, I kind of <laughs> yeah. look either I'm a little Middle Eastern, I look Jewish, I look a little Pakistani, or whatever the fuck I look like, or whatever. And so he's also like a swarthy Israeli guy with a big nose and the, you know, just like has those features. And I and I also have similar features. So we we got along just fine. I, uh, I guess was there anything? You know, what well, he thought this was like. A, a serendipitous moment. He started like, oh, because it was the year was 2007. So he starts, somehow the movie Transformers comes up and he, and he, or he brings it up and starts talking about it and, and his theories on the, on the film. And I said, oh, oh, you mean this movie? And I, and that back in those days, I had a, how do, what would you call it? A hand-me-down fedora that I, I fucking wore a fedora for a while until it fell apart. But in that, in the brim, I had the movie ticket for Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> so as soon as he's talking about Transformers, I whipped the, I whipped it out, and I was like, "Oh, oh wow, this is so what? What you are? Are you playing? <laughs> you are joke magic or whatever?" Because his angles You look him dead in the eye, and you're like, "No, man, this is for real. I'm not fucking with you." I because you know, again that was now 2007. It's been, it's been a minute, so I I guess the, the we did we we had one tense moment where he was telling me about the situation because uh, in Israel where I believe they they had captured I think in custody I believe they had, in custody they had some terrorists or like some uh, some pack, uh, not Palestinian Palestinian. Palestinian uh, enemies uh, that were uh, allegedly had set off, uh, you know, explosives and and uh, were responsible for some death and mirth in, in Israel. And so then, uh, or wait, I, I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying to remember this. So I, I think, how did this go? You know, I can't even remember it clearly. It was something like, a bunch of the Israelis came in and, and tried to break him out and, and, and kill them. Or it was the other way around and that there were, <laughs> that there were like some incarcerated uh, Israelis and then a bunch of Palestinians tried to come in and kill him. It was what well, I, now I got to fucking Google it and it's a terrible story, but, but I had some sort of uh, disagreement with his take on it. And uh, of course he's very like, they're very nationalistic they're very much. Yeah, I mean, they, they, it's I like people are. mandatory military service. You're going to come out pretty indoctrinated. And so my opinion, like, differed a little bit from his, or maybe like I, maybe I, I, I took to a little bit of understanding of their perspective. But that's probably because I'm, I, you know, I definitely knew at in those those days I was contaminated by uh, pro-Palestinian. Not that, I don't know if that's contamination, but definitely I've watched a lot of different documentaries and conspiracy things. Well, it just sounds like you were young enough and naive enough to like engage or bring up the subject at all. Where if I met like if I was seated next to a person of any nationality on a bus, 
I would discuss any topic with them except for their relationship with whichever nation they have a historically antagonistic relationship with. Well, see, I mean, I don't even have to be naive. I can be as worldly as, as any as the fucking as a super genius, and I probably would want to still bring that up because I like I, I want to kind of like you just see. Like, I guess well, I feel you make, make the miles go like, by. My brother-in-law is Turkish, and I like to I like to grind his gears by like uh, identifying Greek things as being invented or identifying uh, things that could be Greek or Turkish as being uh, like created by the Greeks. So that'll fucking piss him off. <laughs> Just like feta cheese or dried dates or whatever. Like these Greek dates are fantastic. The uh. Uh, so like every like you ever like you do you any like Thanksgiving jokes with him or like say gobble, gobble or like every day's day for you, you fucking goofball why don't you speak English can you assimilate a little bit well it's like it's kind of hard because he's uh he's like really just like a cipher there's like I can't even like pursue any level of like racist harassment with him because he's just such like a a mild fellow where like I, I'd go pl- I'd go to play soccer with him and his boys. And they'd all be like wearing shirts that had like the two bottom buttons buttoned and like nothing else and nothing underneath except for like four gold chains. And they'd like it'd be like, God damn it, like I guess I mean, you know. <laughs> it's like this guy's just too easy, come on. But then my brother in law is just this like meek, unsuspecting dude. Yeah, I guess I could I could go for and use some um some more diversity as far as like my, well, I guess I really even haven't had like a social group. Really, that's just like I guess as as, as I've been getting older, like there's just less and less of that, of that, uh, you know, like so I would, like in your twenties or your teens, like in your teens, you get into your twenties, and then maybe even to your thirties a little bit. Like there's these people that you fucking hang around with, but I think as life gets a little more serious, some of them, some of them, you know, go back to school or continue to go to school or, or get a profession that takes up all their time and family and marriage and things like that, then your peer group starts to dwindle. So I guess when I actually, when the pandemic is, is not really a, a thing, we're not all under this duress and threat of fucking getting COVID like every, you know, around every corner that yeah, maybe I would, I would have like a rainbow coalition of friends, you know, like a different different uh i believe it i believe you're sincere but i don't think it's gonna happen unless like you make an attempt just like directly unless you make some sort of like increment of progress no matter how small within the next 24 hours because i I know it's gonna sound like (laughs) it's gonna sound pretty fucking paranoid but like hear me out on this one and i guess i haven't even really fully processed like this thought but you know, and people talk about like whenever this is done, whenever this is over, whenever the pandemic has passed. I think that like the increments of de-escalation that are going to occur, of like you know, retreating back toward a standard of normalcy, are going to be so gradual and so unsatisfying and so like ultimately like superficial and like devoid of succor that will. Uh, well, like, you know, a decade will pass and we'll still be wearing masks. And I mean, you know, I'm not trying to say that, like, we shouldn't be wearing masks, but it'll still suck to wear a mask. And Nate, are you there, man? I'm sorry. I don't know. 
Yeah, it, it just went off by itself. Um, but yeah, I guess we just have to fight. I know it could be just a gradual fucking reintroduction of like having a, some kind of like a semblance of normal life, but I, I my idea is that like I just got to fight against that and to uh, have a kegger and some ice cream socials, keggers, fucking indoor art galleries. I mean, it's time to fucking force it. You know, you gotta you gotta rape right back at that fucking at this quarantine life, at this this you know the seclusion, all this all this shit. We gotta we gotta yeah we gotta force our way back in into being alive. Yeah, and I, I mean like it's I feel like I just uh. Cause I love I love how like how like blunt you are when you say that, and it makes me wish that you lived down the block. Because I feel like when I'm talking to like any of my boys about it, it's like this very involved dance that's unique to each like relationship I have with a friend, where we have to like feel one another out carefully and politely, and it's just like and I kind of kind of this point I'm like I'll, just, I'll try to be a little more blunt where it's just like. Hey, tell me what rules you have. Like, you know, do you want me to wear a mask right now? Are we allowed to go into buildings together? Should we stay outside? Do you have like some sort of time limit? And uh, I don't know. I just uh, so just so that I'm like checking all of like my bases of like impermissible taboo social behavior. I'll, I'll go ahead and get a little sexist right now, but I feel like whenever like I'm hanging out with one of my boys, if they got a wife or a girlfriend. <laughs> It's just like it's not even so much like what COVID rules do you have? It's like which ones are you like are be are you, you like you know you you must obey or you're going to be in big trouble? Yeah, I guess it, it, it's it, you know it's yeah, it, it depends on like who they're dating or like who's wearing more in the pants, who who has more pant legs on, and uh, in some cases like you know the guy doesn't wear any of the pant legs. Um, I'm wearing shorts. Most of the time, scorts if I'm lucky on a good day. That's so, my boy. Uh, you, but you know, you gotta do what you gotta do, and and uh, you know, a happy wife is a is a good life, or you know, whatever the fuck that they say, and you know, that's a, that's. I, I mean, I don't know what it's like with you and your and your partner. She seems like a very nice nice person. I haven't really talked to her much, but uh, you know, it's when uh, you have a significant other, and and then the, and the boys come over and they fucking rubber the wrong way, then usually like that's not that's not good news. And that's that's always, you know, that fucking that invites acrimony within the relationship and then fucking uh, put, you know, puts a wedge in between the friendships and before you know it. But it sh- it shouldn't. And I know it's kind of like fantasy for me to be like oh, like no, he's you know, you don't have to like mediate cuz I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I'll say this is like the the worst like most like the most naive thing that a kid can do when like they're like they start dating people and they're getting an idea of what like they're looking for in a relationship or what it means to them is just like when like they like want their girlfriend to like all their friends or when a girlfriend's trying to make you like all their friends and be friends with all their friends that's the fucking worst but then it's like I I hear what you're saying, man. Where I feel like you can be like dating someone and like like 86 people that you know, and it's like you know I'm like I'm a fucking 
I'm I'm way too cool to ever let a thing like that happen to me for sure. But then I I I feel like it's like whenever I'm like talking to like a buddy's girlfriend and I feel like I'm in that liminal space with them where it's like I know they don't hate me, but I don't think I like they're quite on my team. I just like I'm always worried that like they're gonna be like exerting pressure to like you know, oh no, no not not that Nate guy. You know, it's uh, I definitely have, I've been I've been in those shoes where I'm the guy, and probably for valid reasons, like the person that is disliked by the by the woman, the partner. Uh, I, I I do what I what I can. I mean, I think I try. I think that I do, or I think the best is like if you're in a in a mode of yourself and self awareness that you don't have to try. You're just being yourself, and the and you're good company. Then you know, then you're welcome. Then you're welcome to you're welcome to take up space and time and that and those people's homes or their life, whatever. Uh, you got but, the right idea where it's like you know, and of course, it's like life is too short to be like worried about this like hypothetical scorecard that an acquaintance is keeping against you. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I'm definitely. Hey, I'm, I'm. That happens to me too. Sometimes I, I mean, sometimes it, I, it's not even a thought in my head, but then other with with certain people, they you get the different flags come up, or you you shoot flags at them, or they. You get, you get, you receive theirs, their invisible flags. Uh, you know, I had a, I had a friend, I, I don't, I don't, I don't mean what he's, you know, like when I say hat or whatever, but it's, you know, there's a friend that I used to hang out with a, uh, quite a bit uh, back in the day. And my, uh, I had an ex-girlfriend and we lived together and, but my friend would come over and I know when I was single, there's, it was, it was like, man, when I was single and the places that I would live and the way that I would live, Almost anything was permissible when it came to my friends. So if that meant like they showed up at whatever, three o'clock in the morning with some beer or whatever, just wanted to hang out or they wanted to hang out for a day and a half, you know, or just like these ridiculous fucking ongoing hangout sessions that seemingly never ended that went on for decades. Like, because it was just like, you know, my, my friends, we were... <laughs> So anyway, so I'm, I'm, you know, I I hear you, man. Like I'll see, like I'll see two guys, and like they'll be like walking back to like their apartment together, and they'll have like a case of Mountain Dew and a pizza that they just picked up, and I'll I'll, like I'll envy them. But then you know, grass is greener again, where it's like I don't want to be there at four a.m. But man, it's a it's again, it's also like it is like. Because when you think about like what whatever what what normal people consider is to be real life to have a uh, have success and whatever like to, to function like a normal like a like a person who on the books is normal and would would have a good resume and be a professional they don't hang out with their buds you know five seven days a week for twelve hours drinking beer watching movies watching porn together. You know, just all <laughs> talking shit, you know, chasing poon or, or going to the bars, you know, like, like, so what's my fucking point here? Oh, anyway, so, you know, so this, this, in this uh, scenario with the ex, this, this friend I, I had had for a long time and, and, and like, he knew the way that I, that I used to live as a bachelor, as a single guy where I'm hacking loogies everywhere and smashing bottles in the house and you you were hacking loogies in the interior of your home i do a lot of stuff i mean there's a lot of things that i forget that i no judgment here man hell yeah 
Not 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 like in the hoarder fashion, but like they definitely had like there was messes. I would just experiment with just being gross and and uh, and being funny for my friends or or getting shit all over my hands and you know whatever showing my friends or you know <laughs> or, or crossing streams in the kitchen you know into a garbage can. Okay, that sort of thing. In fact, man, I was just talking to this. <laughs> I was talking to one of my friends. He's like, "Man, like, do you have this such and such video where <laughs> I I had this? Uh, it wasn't even mine. It was a, it was a toy saxophone, and my friend was pretending it, like it was a toy saxophone where you push buttons and it had like pre-recorded like little little MIDI music inside sure, of it. Sure, yeah." So my friend is playing it, like, you know, quote unquote playing it. And then this other friend uh, would routinely take his dick and his testicles out. <laughs> and he's, and he's, got, he's got sunglasses above his testicles. And he's just like smack, <laughs> smacking his testicles on the toy sacks. But the thing is, I'm also, I'm also right there, like a, less than a foot away from his testicles filming it. Like back and forth, like the and the and the, the guy playing the saxophone has has earbuds in and a recording device because he also wants to record the sounds of the testicles slapping the saxophone <laughs> and and the MIDI saxophone. <laughs> yeah, dude, that, that fucking rocks. And like that's like that's at the very top of the pyramid of humor for me. There's like beauties in the eye of the beholder, but humor perhaps even more so. <laughs> Where I like, I feel like I, I can certainly enjoy some more urbane, sophisticated material, but nothing pleases me. Like this fucking uh, <laughs> child saxophone <laughs> with a scrotum getting smacked against it. I mean, I'm sure if I saw a video of it, I'd probably be crying right now. But just your description, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a satisfying episode to hear relayed. The, uh, man... Also, this this video, and maybe some someday I'll, I'll be able to show it to you. Uh, but this friend of mine, he uh, he prided him he prides himself. One of his the aspects of his dick is very, it's very stretchy. So he doesn't have a huge dick, but he can s- stretch it out. And he would call it "I'm spaghetti stringing it." And this trick <laughs> that he would do, and he would do it for on camera amidst his friend. <laughs> He he. Uh, what do you call it? the gas? Uh, the gas can flap, not the gas can, but uh, on on the car. What do you call that? The little little door. Oh, uh, sure. It just like covers the gas tank. Yeah, like it's usually like it, it snaps back. It's retractable. Like it. Yeah, like, sure, sure. And so he would he would you know he'd open it up ever so slightly, get it a jar, slip his his dick in there, and then he'd <laughs> then he'd pull his dick. And then just and you watch it stretch like a spaghetti stretch, <laughs> and up until the point where the fucking the, the, the door snaps back and like almost like cuts his head of his dick off. And he would do this over and over again on different vehicles. Amazing. Because like, uh, so yeah, I mean that's and I have all many videos like this with this kind of like this uh, this. Uh, it's a bit of a carousel of different rotating characters that I 
but I really, there's nothing really I can do with it because I can't. I know that I can't. I would not at this point, and maybe even back then, you know, 15, 20 years ago when I filmed a lot of this stuff to get them on board to get the releases. So, uh, and for all I know, the fucking the tapes have disintegrated. You know, like being in, in a fucking in a in a in a basement with any any degree of moisture, you just never fucking know how these things will live or not. It's amazing. But, I mean, I I admire you so much for just being so prolific as you are. And even when you're just like posting in quantity on social media, there seems to be an artistic flourish to your to what you're doing. And I uh, like when I, I feel like I'm preoccupied with like having to like reproduce whatever it is that I'm doing, even if it's just in like a quantity of 200. And I I think about how like you seem like a type that maybe like one percent of what you have done has been like reproduced or like less has been reproduced beyond whatever like tape or piece of paper or canvas that it happened to be on. Yeah. I mean, I would say you're accurate. And like there's, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I'm completely enamored with that I've made myself. And I, 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 you know what? I don't feel shame for loving the things that I've made. You know, like I'm not, I'm not one of those like, cause I, I hear, I maybe I've probably even addressed this on a podcast before where, they get this, uh, I don't know, the imposters, like it's a, it's a, these terms that people adopt or these, these fucking memos that they get that they, these speaking points where like, oh, I feel like, uh, like, you know, the nothing I do is good. And like, I like, oh, you're not, you're not any good if, if you don't hate what you're doing. I'm like, fuck you. Put a gun in your mouth. Make the brains fucking fly out to the clouds. Shut up forever. I don't want to fucking hear your type again. No, dude, I, I agree with you a thousand percent for sure. Go on. I'm sorry. Fuck because they're fucking disingenuous when they say that. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in a place of prominence where people are fucking sucking their turds. So, like, yeah, they say shit like that to fucking placate people to make them think, like, oh, well, maybe I should have self-doubts, too. Fuck you. Well, I feel like to, like to drag it kicking and screaming back to the pandemic is, like, because I hear people, like, they, you know, successful, famous, otherwise, like, fucking failure, weirdo, crank, People who talk about like who who think who like I don't know feel whatever like itch it is that makes people talk about how they like have developed their personal dogma of like deprivation and like loneliness and uh, masochism to like make their work as good as they have. I think on whatever level of sincerity they're working. I feel like they're all getting their comeuppance now because like if like you were for real just like staying in Friday and Saturday night for 10 years in a row and you never got to like and you like you skip so many opportunities just to like have a good time spontaneously and you like rarely if ever felt the actual sun on the skin of your body then it's like, oh, well, that sucks, dude. Like, you know, the pandemic's going on now. It might be a long fucking time before you can sample any of those things. Right. I, you know. Which I, I know, it's, and it's like, it's gross for me that it's like, I like take this like satisfaction and like, huh, serves you right. Now you're being punished. Take that. But like, it, it grosses me out too, man. It makes me pissed. So it's like, I, it's like they shot and proud of like, yeah, take that motherfucker. Yeah, have some more of that. Help yourself to some more of that. Right. I, I mean, I kind of, in, in some ways, I've, 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 I mean, I, I'm a social guy too. So I, and also antisocial and uh, everything in between. So I do like to party and have fun and go out and do that. But I, I am so, 
I would say that I am dedicated to creativity and and even if my day isn't that productive, like if I get like one little scribble done or like, you know, if I if I if I make a few notes of things that I'm going to do, like it does kind of feel like like, well, I'm glad that I was home, that I had access to my notepad and my pens to at least scribble this or do this or or, or make this tweet or this little video or edit this thing, you know. Well, I feel like there's like, like maybe three categories that like to like establish them as different is probably like constructive to like whatever point I'm trying to make is the people who like their entire life is their like their work and their like attempt to just withhold any type of creature comfort or like satisfaction or indulgence such so that they can like better pursue their goal or like more immediately procure it and like it's like i'm not that but i you know i I see it i respect it whatever and then like there's like the type of person who like they've got like the idea for the thing and like they'll come up to you at a show and then say oh i want to do this i don't know how to do comics and i don't want and like they're like they're they're way more like satisfied with just like you know being hung up on like how they can't like figure out one detail or they don't know what pen to use and then i guess they kind of like people that i put in that same category are like the like the dilettantes who will just like spend like maybe 20 hours a year on like whatever artistic pursuit it is that like they like wear as like the the avatar of their identity but then it's just like i think like it's like i feel like normally when i'm like talking to people or like people want to like get into any kind of detail about my art with me the word i hear most often is like prolific which, you know, I appreciate, but I feel like there's, like, in my vanity, I'm thinking on some level, like, well, yes, I mean, I'm prolific, but I'm also extremely talented and a genius or whatever type fucking horse shit. Because, like, prolific, it says nothing about the actual quality of the work. But then it's, like, I see you, and I fucking salute you, dude, because it's, like, you and me, I know that we are making a effort to like just like get the nectar from life but we're also fucking cranking out square yards of work you know just fucking getting it done yeah because that's that's the only way that that's the only way you can do it and talking about it doesn't help or 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 being like what you're talking about the person who you approaches you at the show and they're they're uncertain about every single step, and then they're really just making excuses to stall themselves by by pretending that they don't know that they can figure it out. Yeah. With, like you totally fucking do it. It's funny how like and yeah, like creating like, this narrative of like I don't know how to put one foot in front of the other is like this like noble thing. I think people just saying like I don't know or like I I is like people like think I, I think it's like just being in like K through twelve or like being like raised to be polite and like indecisive is like people view it as an asset, like being unable to like assert themselves or make a decision or choose between like forks in the road or whatever. Right. God damn. I probably got a little bit of that in me too, that I have to fucking fight. Cause I definitely was raised to, uh, uh respect authority and listen to principals and teachers and, obey cops and this this shit like that and the dare I, I think we were talking earlier though about how like a little too much of that can make the pendulum swing in the opposite direction and I see it man where it's just like I don't know if anyone like is I know few I, I like I know few people who are as inclined to like probe authority and its value and like 
the limit of its influence is you. I, I have to, because I, if, if I don't, then I'll just be swept in, into the dustbin. And then they'll be saying, oh, we didn't, well, we didn't, we didn't even see him there. <laughs> we, 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 yeah, yeah, for sure, man. We, yeah, we put him in the, in the pail. He was just yeah. And I, I, that's, a, that's the thing. It's like that also, yeah. No, wow, because you got me thinking, like, just like being in the world of the of the comics, like you see, like there are people who, uh, I mean, this is this is this is what I've observed through my years of of just you know being around creative types, artist types, da da da, da, da comic people, is like there are like there are people that kind of just become that they become something seemingly overnight, or like they they seem to they maybe be over heralded. For what I would make consider be like, really like, I mean, I'm not saying that their stuff is bad or or that I hate it, but it's it just it's just kind of funny to observe like how and why things come into you know how, how things come to be, and and then you kind of like well then you want to probe and you want to figure you want to know like well why is it that and and who is it that they know and what do they know and what is it you know what and then you want to learn their sparks and how they do it not that I want to fucking copy and emulate and trace anyone else's shit. Or any of the way that they do their life, but like you just want to know, you want to be aware of it. Um, so yeah, sometimes you gotta, and, and, and so if you want to like, if you want to exist, then I guess, I guess the the bare minimum you have to do to be noted or uh, acknowledged is to do the thing. So like we're like we're making the like you said the square yardage. We're fucking doing football fields and stuff. We're putting it out there. We're we're you know we're collecting the sap out of the fucking the tree, the nectar of life. We're we're catching the essence. We're running with it, and then we're taking it. We're and fucking impregnating the, the the paper with it, and then we're uh, making it available in and multiple different formats. And that's what we have to do. Yeah, brother. I feel like and that's I, like a I, lesson that's only occurred to me recently, though, where I felt like uh, collecting the nectar from life and making good comics were mutually exclusive. But then it's like, if you really do dedicate yourself to that, like religion of masochism of like. Oh, well, comics are uh, they're a they're a lonely thing to do, and you know you'll you'll give your life to them, and it's a very sad thing. Where it's like, you get hung up on that, you are fucked, and it, it's like you. But then, like when you're collecting the nectar, it informs your work, and the 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 lines on the page will be will be vital, and not ones that were like forced from my body as like you know I, I must extract more comics material because I'm just fucking putting one boot in front of the other in this rainstorm that I've been plotting through for decades. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, okay, on the same vein, okay, I'm going to tap into the into a fucking, into the tree of life here, of the world of the comics, the comic life. Okay, but, but it goes back to a, as, I don't know if this is an Aesop, it's not an Aesop fable, but it's a, it's a type of a, uh, it's a fable of sorts. Of it's a guy. He goes out into the woods. He leaves his his wife to go out to uh, maybe to hunt a squirrel or something. I think he's a Dutchman or something. He goes out into the woods, and he meets up with these gnomes or these elves, and they give him some kind of elixir, and he is in a coma for twenty some years. He comes back to his little village. His wife is dead, and. The land, I think it was a landlord he, he was indebted to uh, still wants his money. 
you know, 20 years, like, cause the guy disappeared for 20 years and, uh, you know, left his, you know what I mean? So he fucking, anyway, what's my fucking point here? I don't know. Oh yeah. Noah Van Winkle. Rip Van Winkle. Noah Van <laughs> Okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, Noah Van Skyver Winkle. I mean, cause I, I mean, when it comes to like the, you know, the, the, the fucking, the downtrodden, the, the, the pained, the, the struggling, um, like that, the, you know, the, I, 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 I would say like self-flagellating. But you see that dude's autobio stuff and it's like his reality was pain. It's like, that was like the currency of his existence. How, like, I like, I'll, I'll never, I'll never fault a dude for like taking that approach when it's like, you're like sharing the fucking scraps of existence with like nine siblings in a small house and like everything is dilapidated and fucked up and like you're there are never any choices it's just like this is going to be your pair of shoes for the next five years was it like that because you know what? i'm trying to go them into a into a uh, interview or one of these one of these comic chats and then i and then he's he's just not taking the bait <laughs> yeah well, you know what? Yeah, you know, you actually gave me the best fucking pitch. I want to actually I, I, now. I want to read that story and learn because I don't. I just I think I read like one of his blamos years ago. Like someone gave me a, a sent me a, like a stack of comics, and one of them was a blamo. And I think I, I've read a couple of excerpts of the fancy Bukowski stuff. Um, yeah, but we've just we just kind of ribbed at each other a little bit, you know, little little pieces on on Facebook. But he's such like it's like the kind of person that he is, the kind of person that I am. I think we're like. I don't know. We are we're different. We're different kinds of people. I think there would be a good, like a nice stark contrast uh, for a delightful. Yeah, dude, I, I would love to hear that one. I, I yeah, I, me- I remember many years ago I was at an SPX and John Porcelino told me that he was like in tentative discussions with Bald Eagles to do a comic together, and I thought that would be the most marvelous peanut butter and chocolate of all time. Oh man, yeah, uh, Johnny. And yeah, we were talking like a few years ago, but I guess things just kind of... It's just how things go. You know, it's like the the explanation could only be redundant. I feel like a a reoccurring theme in this conversation is this like, you know, you go out into the woods and the elves will drug you and you wake up 20 years later and what the fuck happened? Exactly, man. Because that's kind of really what happens. Like an event happens and like you deviate from whatever direction you're going into and then you have to make dinner. Oh, and then there's this, and then there's other obligation. They're getting the phone call from your parents, or or whatever it is, you know, or you got a fucking toothache, or et cetera. And then things happen, and they they prevent you from doing the things that you want to do. Yeah, and I, I feel like, uh, oh man, I you remember when I uh, when we were talking last week, and we were like, oh, we're gonna bring up Matt Kish. He's gonna be so tickled when we bring him up. I feel like the thing oh, I yeah. gotta say about Matt Kish, though, I was too shy to say it at the time like when i saw him and like i guess i should fuck like and that's the thing though is like you know like when you when you get do you ever do that thing like like before you start drinking where you're like i'm gonna see these people and these are gonna be the things that I, i'll want to say but like this like these things and like this specifically i should not say and like when i'm drunk i'll just be like oh you know like we're both possessed of such like a friendly camaraderie right now I, you know what I was thinking about was like this thing that'll totally fucking curl your toes and like make you fucking feel re- very reluctant to be in the same room as me right now. 
do, do you ever get that where it's just like you're gonna fucking want to bring up this subject with this person who's not gonna want to fucking hear about it you're gonna do it because you're drunk and you're gonna think it's okay because you're drunk but like don't do it well here i am and i'm not oh, drinking yeah. but like um <laughs> you you think i'm talking about some bill cosby shit i'm definitely not but uh it's like with matt kish i uh i remember me and him and my girlfriend and his wife we were walking from his place down to this like friendly little brew pub down the street from their house. And uh, he was asking me like, you know, like Nate, I'm 50 years old as of like a week and a half ago. Like, what do you think about that? And it was just something like that where he like, he, uh, he, he asks like fun open-ended questions like that is definitely one of his habits. But I remember like what I, what I was like thinking about already, like when he asked me that was what a marvelous job you have done. Like what all, look at all that you've accomplished by the age of 50 and how relieved you must feel that you're like two thirds of the way. It was like, it was what I said, but then like what I left out was like, and how relieved you must feel that there's only like one third of the race left to run. Like how badly could you fuck it up at this point? You like, you, you're, you're going to stick the landing and then that's like a, probably a perfect life that you've led. And I don't know why I brought all this up, but. But why would that be like a, would that, would that be something? Cause for me, I would probably say something like that, but then I would also add in a bunch of nasty stuff <laughs> and just say that I would be like, I would be playing with his fucking, with his maggots and, and turn the skeleton into a xylophone. <laughs> and, 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 and and kissing his fucking skeleton teeth, <laughs> and uh, you know, dude, you know what I mean? Turning his, his fucking his, what do you what do you call it? Your pelvis into a, a fucking uh, into my bidet, you know? So I'd sit right in there and have his fucking tailbone facing the opposite way, so it goes in my butthole. <laughs> you you know, I uh, when you said that you had to take a shit when like we were about to we we're about to do the interview, and then I was like, ah, I gotta go pee, and then you said I gotta take a shit, and I said perfect. I yeah. didn't. I didn't feel at all that I had to take a shit when we were having that conversation but about two minutes later I was having one and I thought this is my body sympathetically responding to Victor we're syncing up our biological functions right now so that we can we can have the most uh, unified brain for this discussion that we're gonna have yeah, we're just a couple of bitches having a having a bloody fucking. Oh, dude, I want to I want to go down to the mall with you when such a thing is allowed again. It's like and get a and get like a a radioactive green margarita, and then just absolutely fill up some tampons while we just you know gab back and forth with one another. And if there's a fucking stand-up arcade, then I want to be at the stand-up arcade playing some Altered Beast with our fucking smuggled-in drink. I'm, I'm not huge on video games, but there's a... Uh, there's... Fuck. There's this... Uh, and it's like, again, another one of those things that like a younger Nate, a Nate in his 20s would have scoffed at, been too cool for it, too cool for school. But those bars that got the video games, and they're fucking free. All you got to do is pay for the beer. I went to one that had Area 51 where I would be a kid and I'd pump fucking 20 bucks into an area 51 in the course of a day. But no man, just fucking get like two beers and play area 51 for three and a half hours with your boy. That's what I want to do, man. 
I'm Area 51, but really, I'm more of a time crisis junkie. All right. All right. Wasn't there an Aerosmith-themed one where you got, like, an AK? Yep, there was Aerosmith had there. Yeah. I, I feel like the Aerosmith game and, like, the Terminator stand-up arcade game were very oh, similar. Oh, but I brought up the whole bathroom thing because you mentioned the bidet. And uh, I thought, like, I, I got to mention this to Victor sometime. I feel like it will have... Uh, a cunning insight into this imagining is uh, I've had a bidet for like maybe six months now and I love it. It's fantastic. It's like, I can't go back now. Toilet paper feels vulgar as my buddy Trant, who is like proselytizing for me on behalf of the bidet, put it, he said, like I go to other people's houses and I think these fucking animals just clawing around inside their ass with toilet paper. I don't, I don't, it makes me sick. But I mean, of course, I don't have that extreme opinion on it. I digress. When I use the bidet, sometimes I think, what if I just kept shitting right now and like turned the bidet on full blast and was like cutting the turds in half while they were like falling out of my butt? And it would be like the two like, like two characters like firing their like, <laughs> laser beams or like force power at one another. And they'd be like fighting back and forth. It's a uh, well. I'll tell you because I've done it. It just makes a mess. And then, then you try to clean it up with your with your girlfriend. What what was it when when you did it though? Was it just like sincere? Like was it just curiosity that like it was irresistible? And you're like, fuck it, I'm gonna commit. I'm gonna do this right now. Yeah, I guess I, I didn't put I, like I just figured like well I know I can clean it up I I just kind of imagined what would happen it, it, more or less what I imagined would happen happened so I just made a mess there's like a spray of like brown like uh, brown water mostly because it just it kind of liquefies <laughs> the poop and I definitely I, I I definitely have like opened up my my butthole to receive the water jets into my asshole and then so I can like shoot out you know like a, a big gulp of of poop water out okay yeah on. I feel that. It also was just like, wait, like, and then I think, no, am I going to think that? Am I going to express that anyway? But you know, you know what it, you know. What it oh, is. I know, I absolutely you know. know. Like you, you kind of... And uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe. Hmm. I know, like when I was when I was a, when I was a little kid, little boy, what I would do, I'd go in the bathtub, and then I I turn the you know the, the faucet on, and I would just I would just spread my cheeks and put my asshole underneath the spigot. And then wash well, my ass out that way. Wow! So you you invented a bidet? You didn't even realize it was already a thing. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know what it was. Thing. But they're fun. I, I do like them. And I, I just wanted to t- I, actually when I first installed one, because like, I'd never used one before, I just wanted. To, <laughs> I just wanted to see what happened when I turned it on, like just how far it shot out. And then it shot when I was a little boy, face. I thought that oh, if that you turned up. on, oh, I thought that uh, like. So I'd go in the bathroom and I would hold my ass cheeks open and I'd stare in the mirror over my shoulder because I thought that if I farted, it would come out a green bubble. I thought all farts came out of the green bubble. And I just watched <laughs> the mirror waiting to see one. Oh. Yeah, for you sure. watch cartoons, I think. I, uh, cause we had, when we talked to, was a few days ago, we thought, you know, at some point, you know, we'd uh, we take a long drive out to the end of a pier, and then I'd I'd tell you uh, my my worst possible secret, and then I would just close my eyes, and then you'd just shoot me in the back of the head, and I would fall into the water. 
Yep. <laughs> so, like, my die with me yeah. and you, and that would be the end of it. Um, so I thought about, so I've just been kind of thinking about dark, dark thoughts, dark memories, or, or just like my, my furthest, well, because it, it kind of, it kind of relates to this a little bit, where like the cartoons, like actually didn't form us a bit. When I was five years old, I believe I was five or six, I was convinced that somebody had, uh, or I, this is what I thought, and this is how my memory, because I, because your discernment of like what you remember and it's it's not always what what's real. Sure. You're still learning what's real. I thought that I I thought that somebody had broken into our house and I defended our house as like a five year old. But I was like a scrappy kid and I was always wrestling around and kicking stuff and breaking things, whatever. And so I thought that somebody had broken into broken to our house and I had jumped on him and I. I hit him or I don't know exactly what I did, but I killed the person and their eye came out and, and then I, I worried that I was in trouble. So I guess I, I somehow maybe, you know, with, with the, with the child's logic, I was eight, like the body disintegrated or whatever it did, but there's the eyeball or the eye came out. I'm not going to say eyeball. And I just, and I just, and I'm like, Oh no, I can't, they can't, or no, I think I didn't kill him, but, their eye came out and then maybe they must have escaped because I was so concerned. And like, there was your child logic, like dictating that, like you like within like the boundary of the law of God and man defended your home against this intruder. But like you would, you were still so like preoccupied with like, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to break the rules that it's like, I must obscure like my like annihilation of this, brigand and make sure that no one ever discovers it and there's this like eye that like will like it, it stands as the only piece of corporeal evidence that could betray me yes and so i i, I hit it and then like the then I, I remember like the the following like weeks or days i was like worried like oh oh like, where'd the eye go you know where's the eye and then i was watching Jabber Jaws on the on the USA Cartoon Network Express. It's like this, like '85 or whenever this was. I'm just a little, little little kid, and there's an episode of Jabber Jaws, and he, I they thwart some kind of Doctor Strange like villain person, uh, this thing, and his eyeball comes out on a spring, but it's on a spring, and I'm like, uh, and I, I remember like I pointed at it, I laughed at the screen, I'm like. Wait, that's not what eyeballs look like. There you like. go. Or that's not exactly. What eyes are because it was a, because it was, it was a ball, and I, I didn't. And in my dream, the eye was just shaped like a, like a like a peach pit, like 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 how an eye is as you look at it. I didn't think that they well, were. I didn't know did, they do were you remember when you realized that your so. balls were shaped like ovals and not spheres? I think so. Are doing no, I don't know well, if like, I remember that or not. Just like you know, what, what's funny to me is like people who like don't have testicles, like the half the world, all these ladies, they probably still think that like men are dealing with like a pair of like uh, ping pong balls instead of uh, I don't know large grapes or whatever. <laughs> right, and I think I think the world of testicles is. Is just as uh, varied as the world of dick sizes, because I've I've seen you know you know you go in the showers, the, the pool, or the, the gym, 
and you see all the different all the different testicles and uh, I had my, my this friend of mine he was in his sixties and his fucking testicles were they literally hung down a foot or more like uh, mid. Well, it's a, you talk about your boy doing his like spaghetti yeah, string I, thing. It's like. I think, given optimal conditions, I think any of us can get our balls to swing down like two thirds of the way to the knee. You know, just I, th- I think if you and me just walked around for a day in oh, Phoenix, I, I, Arizona, in like a pair of running shorts, we'd have visible testicles just hanging out of the pants. I don't know. Mine are mine are close to the body. I mean, there's not a whole lot of uh, hanging yet, and I don't I don't want them to hang too much. But I mean. Uh, you know, I've watched a lot of pornographic material, and there's there's dudes that you don't you almost can't even see their testicle because their their testicle is almost their testicles are like formed into the base of their cock, and then some of them have big banging, slanging fucking <laughs> tennis ball nuts. I don't know. I think that has a lot to do with how close you are to ejaculating. I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just you know I've seen all wait you've seen all kinds of nuts. They're all they're all different really are i mean I don't, I don't like mine touched or played with i i don't like i don't even like touching my own nuts i don't even like to know that, that they're there i want to sensitive i feel like go ahead and i think this this is like common talk. we're talking about i'm sorry man go ahead oh no no i was, I was just saying i was just like a, just kind of uh talking to the audience and just saying like hey we're talking about comics and and where where does the inspiration come where do our ideas come from it comes from our fucking you know, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I think it's like you see these like uh, aesthetic schools that will kind of like prevail or like be on the ascendant that are like predicated on like uh, hyper detailed Ren and Stimpy style or like the drippy John Vermilia style and things like that. And I don't know how far off right. you are because it sounds like you're goofing, and I it's it's good that you're goofing, but like. I think that we do have like this absolutely gruesome organ that isn't just like the fucking like veiny and it's like and like both are horrible too, where it's like the uncircumcised penis is like, you know disgusting, obviously, but then the circumcised penis is like this like scarred <laughs> fucking freakish thing. And then like beyond that you got the fucking nuts or like the nuts just by themselves, even without like the testicles inside of the scrotum, the scrotum is just like the most horrible skin on the entire body. Ooh, but dude, I got a vasectomy a few years ago and I had to shave my balls. Really? And I, uh, I remember I was pissed too. Cause like, I was like so careful and thorough and I did it the night before. And then the doctor was like, you realize you're supposed to like, you know, shave your scrotum completely free of all hair before the operation and i was like yeah i did and he's like well no it's fine like we can we're, we can still do it but it just he was like get, he, he was a really cool guy but he was like that was the only thing they got to show with me about but like i, I dude i shaved them it felt so good it felt so good that like thinking about it and remembering it makes me want to shave them again because it's like you know it's like when you're like you're like 14 and you're fucking horny oh. all the time and just like walking is like enough to give you a boner that's what it was like but oh, yeah. instead of it being your dick, it was your balls. Just shaving them is going to make it feel awesome. Just having balls at all, just existing with your balls will feel nice. It's going to feel like titties, probably. <laughs> Dude, and it's like, it's not even like, a, like a, a, 
a van, like a thing like i want my like because i'm not i'm not because cons- you know I like it's like once like the pubes get kind of like bozo the clown i'll like kind of trim off like the longest parts of them every other year or so so it's, it's definitely not a vanity thing or like an appearance thing i'm not like a fucking you know but like the uh but dude i just like i, I think i might just shave my balls the next time i'm feeling like it uh, i guess i'm feeling like it right now i might i might just do it tonight I might just go downstairs and tell my girlfriend, like, hey, I'm going to get dinner going. I'm going to go upstairs, and I'm going to shave my balls, and I'll be right back down, and it'll, it'll be great. Yeah, you're going to go make her dinner. That's what you can, you can refer yeah. to that when you shave your balls. Can you get it all ready? Make, make yeah, dinner, just like right? uh, serve them on, on some iceberg okay. lettuce. Also, I, mean, to, I think to, um, to balance this out, Okay, because we, you know, we, 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 you know, we denigrated the male member and our and, and the things that, you know, we we can't help that we were born with these things, inescapable, you know, unless you're whatever you're born a mutant without the without the the parts or you were castrated or whatever, lost it in a war, but okay, so yeah, like the men, the, like our balls and our dicks are kind of kind of yucky. They're these gross protuberances from our body, but come on, women though, these fucking, because I okay before. <laughs> So I got. I got to come. I got to. I got to stick up for the men. I'm going to come with some men's rights. Some men. That's why we're here. That's our. That's our entire identity, more or less. We're just MRA dudes. Yeah, MRE. What they call it that? They call it MRE, <laughs> men's rights energy. And that, I know when you're when I when I was a kid, you know, especially uh, growing up in the in the 80s, uh, there was a lot of. Um, well, I mean, there's yeah, there's movies, there's et cetera, there's women, they're they're, they're beautiful, but they're also clothes that's how you see them before you're subjected to pornography and so you just kind of think that women are like you don't even think that they poop they don't they don't, you know they don't have wieners and you've seen them in bathing suits and they don't there's no there's you know there's no like protrude there's no you don't you can't see yeah and like and general. like you know that they don't have penises but then like you don't even think about like a pubic mound you know so it's like their like legs meet in a sharp point And then you're like in your your dad's friend's garage, and you look at a uh, a calendar on his wall, and it's of like a it's like a NASCAR, yeah, yeah. like a sexy yeah. chick with some titties. You know the calendar, the post up there, and they just everything's just kind of it's just uh, it's been sanitized. So like you just see these like cool tits and like the nice hair and the and the blemish free face and et cetera, and no hairy legs and the perfect figure and the good form in the eighties was kind of a more of a flat butt with big plastic tits, peroxide blonde kind of like what was attractive back then. But then, but then you get old enough to actually, you know, you start peeling their clothes off when you're a teenager. Cause that's when you start fucking and you get, you get your girlfriend. That's like the stinky fucking ugly, hairy, scary, uh, opened, uh, pink smell. Yeah. So, I remember I was talking you know to I mean? my, there's guy I was living with and I was talking to him oh. like, man, like, you know, like, why is it that, like, vaginas taste completely different from one another? And then he said, uh, he said very matter-of-factly, just right off the bat, without even having to, like, mull it over or, like, take, like, three seconds to, like, access, like, a distant folder in his brain. He said it comes down to bodily chemistry, hygiene, and diet. (laughs) I said, okay, well, thank you. Well, no, 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 dude, yeah, I, I, I hear you, and it's like, I, I'm not even going to be like, you know, how, how dare you? It's like, yes, genitals 
overall are like horrifying and gross. The uh, okay, there's one other thing that I wanted to say about vaginas that I can't remember now. I think that they like they are all like I don't know if there's any one of them that is like I don't know they're not none of them are Disney you know like none of them are what was promised in the Beauty and the Beast but like but after you get over like how aesthetically like it, it's it, it's discordant with with Sanchai's normal open cable television culture and you actually put yeah. your dick in there they're the best thing in the world so bless you women. Men's I feel right. like there's like two there's kind of like two different vaginas though where there's like the one that you're actually inside of that's the greatest vagina in the world and then there's like the first vagina that you ever see for like 0. 0.03 seconds on the Playboy channel or like in a hustler or something and like that's also the best vagina in the world and they're like the experiences could not be more different from one another or I guess like I don't know they could be where like they're both arousing you but like, do, do you know what I mean? Where like, like a vagina is like so many different things to us. Right. True. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you if you've been with more than one woman, or you know, with a, a slew of them. Well, like that's what I'm saying. Is like, like vagina is like the the, the vagina that you see in like the magazine that you find out in the woods is like as different from like the like the vagina that you have. Like, because it's like you know, I don't know. the uh, <laughs> I like this is like where I tr- like truly like betray like the pathology of a serial killer that like guides all of my decision making and like major lifestyle choices. The the other thing that I wanted to say was the because uh, like, when you talk about like the lady that's hanging like on the calendar in your friend's dad's garage that and, like you get to like sneak a peek at that, where it's like that lady is the eighties equivalent of uh, I mean okay. In Pittsburgh, there is a truck that drives around. I don't know if it still drives around, but it has um, advertisements on it. Do you ever see those billboards that like will have three different advertisements on them? And I guess they've been like all replaced by LED billboards, but like they're like three different advertisements, but they're like turning. Where like for like one third of the time, like ad A will be on the billboard. For one third of the time, ad B will be on. Do you know what I mean? Where there was like a truck like that yeah, that was yep. that would drive around downtown Pittsburgh, and it would have three ads on it, and at any given time, one of them would be for one of the two local strip clubs, and you would see like one of like you'd see like a one of the strippers or like a model that was hired or whatever, uh, like a, a, a naked lady or like a lady who was like nude but with like the good bits tastefully obscured such so that it could be displayed in public, and. It was like this, like level of, of an abstraction that went beyond whatever, like airbrushing and like retouching occurred to that picture in your friend's dad's garage in 1986. Because it's like this lady, she puts on makeup, she gets a spray tan, she's lit in a particular way, she's photographed, the photograph is edited and adjusted. The photograph is printed onto vinyl. The photograph is cut, or the vinyl is cut into slats. The slats are slid into the side of this truck. And then as the truck drives around, it's like if you look at it closely, it like collects quite a patina of just like grime and smog from like traffic and city. 
on it such so that like there's almost this like translucent layer of right. filth covering whatever the image happens to be and then like i try to imagine because it's like they're i'm sure there's just like a, it's a strip club and they've got an advertising budget and they've just got to fucking spend that money but like i try to like imagine what type of like benefit they could achieve or like because it, they're probably out there and i'm sure i'm just like acting like a holier than thou art type but like i try to imagine the dude who feels like a libidinal twinge it just like gets the fucking like lightning bolt right to his crotch where he's just like he sees that and is like oh fuck yes like i i gotta go tonight <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's me. You well, I, mean? like, I think it's gonna be me too, man. Like when it's just like when we're allowed to do things again, it will just be like there won't be a governor in my brain anymore. It'll, like there won't be like the the filter of like thought to action, or at least much less of one. Where it's just like rather than like being the puritanical guy who like is gonna fucking like look directly down my nose at anyone who would fucking blow a hundred dollars in a strip club in one night. It's just like, yeah, fuck it, man. I would love to do that. I mean, I have I, I, I haven't been to a, a club in maybe over fifteen years, but I hate that that Joe Rogan has a similar story of one of his friends who would do this. But I definitely was doing this way before I fucking ever listened to any JRA fucking podcast. I used to go to the, I, <laughs> I'd go to the strip club. And I, I had these uh, martial arts pants, and they were, and I, I wore them so many times that they were paper. <laughs> so you're like, yes, so like I've been honing my blade for so long now. I'm gonna go to the strip club and get a lap dance with my fucking tissue paper pants on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's incriminating. If that makes me like into like some as a I was like a 22 year old villain, or else it's like from like 20. To 22, I was going to these uh, strip clubs. I, they were, and they're just dingy, and I didn't always get a lap dance, but if I did, I definitely <laughs> was wearing the thinnest pants I possibly had so I could get the most patient from the experience. Yeah, dude, I, I love it. That's fantastic. You know? And, I, and why, why did I resort to going to strip club? Because, yeah, fucking women would not date me, and for a good reason they wouldn't date me, and uh, definitely was an incel by choice. And in a way, I don't regret any of it because there's all that time that I spent by myself to think and to draw and to spend those weekends, you know, alone, working on my, you know, honing my blade, getting my craft, you know, ready for the for the war that was going to be the rest of my life. And fucking getting that, getting that stinky, uh, what's that, that perfume that, that people use? Like that, that, I guess you would call, I don't know if it's low class or whatever. It's just like a cheaper perfume called Candies. Is that really like almost? It's like pre-act body spray stink. Very yeah. Technical. Is that is that what you you would apply to your own body before going to the strip club? No, that's what they would. Uh, <laughs> that's what would uh, they would secrete that from their pores. Yeah, dude. Would, I definitely like. I uh, I remember somebody took me to a strip club on my twenty-first birthday, or like shortly thereafter, and got me a lap dance and. It was like, uh, you know, a common theme again. It was Nate in his 20s who was like at a strip club, but like couldn't enjoy himself in like an unironic way. 
So I just like, you know, no, 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 no. I don't want one. No, it's fine. Stop, stop. Come on, please stop. And then what that just resulted in was like, I ended up getting one from like the, uh, the stripper who was like maybe in her early forties. I don't know who would just like hanging around the table, like doing the full court press. Like, you're like, what are you doing here? Come on, come on, come on, come on. And then I uh, just like waking up the next day with like, I'm sure it was probably the same aroma and it was just disgusting. And I wanted to fucking burn the clothes that it was on. But th- I remember this lady, you could have like fit a peppercorn between any two of her teeth. And she probably got like the first breast implants in the entire <laughs> world. Oh. <laughs> but no, of course yeah. she was beautiful. She was as beautiful as she could. Be. <laughs> I'm sorry, but go ahead. Oh no 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 no! You go ahead because I'm like I'm like as you're saying this, I'm like that that I think, I mean, maybe not from a young man or maybe like a, I don't know, because I think there's certain certain points of inebriation where things. Yeah, it's just like that classic. Oh, I got. Oh, so and so got. Oh, up. dude, I, no, I was just being I a dick. She was absolutely up. as gruesome as she could possible. As yeah, as like, you know, she. It was, it was frightening. <laughs> and I mean, it's like what a fucking dick I am. And what was I even doing there? There's this place called the the cricket, cricket lounge. Hey, check this one out because I have two things I want to tell you. I think they're really important. But I'm gonna have to. Oh yeah, we're short on time. Let's just do it. This is the grand finale. Tell me these things and then tell me farewell. Yeah. Oh. Okay, check this one out. Actually, you know what? These aren't the things. Are they the things? Um. No, because this other one has like a little bit of setup. But I'll tell you this. You said that you were getting the Jackie Chan movies recently. Uh, There's a film that he made around the same uh, around the same time period as Police Story. It's called. Heart of no. the Dragon. Do you know who Sammo Hung is? Sammo Hung is one of his contemporaries. They did a lot of films together. Uh, and in this movie, Sammo Hung plays the younger brother of Jackie Chan, or maybe the older brother. That's not the important part. But the important part is, so Jackie Chan is a caretaker to his brother Sammo Hung, who is mentally challenged, intellectually challenged, or as they say, retarded. And it's, so it's an action, comedy, drama, thriller. And his, his intellectually challenged brother is beat up every other... Dude, Heart of the Dragon, sign me up. I'll watch that shit tonight. And not only that, but if you go on YouTube, you probably watch it for free, but he also... Jackie Chan is a, rec- is a recording artist in, uh, in Asia. I mean, that's where he's known. He's also known and well-beloved as a recording artist, he uh, recorded the theme oh, song. Oh, man, I love it. Uh, he sings the theme song to the film. Hard of... So, you get, yeah, you have to see it also, but Sammo Hung is like, what's wild is, is that they, they came up together in the same uh, Chinese opera school as, as kids. And uh, they usually, they've, they've been in a lot of movies together, like, fighting. So, like, Sammo Hung is like, you, you've only seen Sammo Hung as a magnificent fighter. But in this, again, he's special needs. And now we have 30 seconds left. Hey, Victor, absolutely. Anytime. We'll have to do it again. This was a treat. I'd like to thank and congratulate anyone who got through all damn three near hours of this thing.
And uh, I hope to speak with you again soon on or off the record. You bet, yeah, darker. And, uh, darker still, man. Let's do it. Darker, I think. Love you, baby. All right, brother. Have a good night, and I'll talk to you soon. I'm the Suck My PB bitch. Bye-bye. things to learn about and you're the best teachers i think you're asking a bit much one day you'll realize that yeah have you had a gun held to your head nah. it happened to us 12 years ago remember somewhere outside of jakarta this guy took us to this nightclub And I said something he didn't like. And had a gun stuck to my head. Drink that bottle of whiskey. I had no choice. But I couldn't do it. And what do you know? Ho drank it for me. That wasn't the end of it. As soon as he'd finished, I had more guns stuck to my head. You know what they wanted me to drink then? piss. You didn't help me out that time. <laughs> See, that's how you're gonna learn. Yeah, what is this fucking bullshit? Okay. God! What is this fucking goofy ass? Okay. I'm getting to my bull. 
into my shit, into my fucking, my bull, into my shit, my fuck. Ah, ah, ah. My fragments of my skull say what? I shit it down. Look. One step, two steps, three steps. When I know that fucker steps, I can smell that steps. The steps that that steps they make. They make the steps. I know the steps they're making. I smell their steps. Okay, hello. God damn it, you fucking, I smell. I smell marshmallow. You are a fucking smell. I'm done. You come. You fuck, you shit, you crap, you fuck, you piss, you dump, you fuck, you shit. I can't wait until I'm skinning you alive and making you, your eyes, fly out of your sockets. That's on my docket to make sure that you fucking die. The death that I want you to die so that death will be happening to you real quick, real sick. Real cool, real fun, real, 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 real cool, sexy, fun, cool. You will die. I will watch you fucking fry and die, you son of a bitch. You fuck. You cock. You fuck. I can't wait to watch you fucking die in front of my eyes. Both of my eyes, I'll watch you die. I'm gonna watch you fucking say hello and goodbye. The life that you had is done. It's like calm. Starts off warm, then gets cold. It's mold. You're done. You're fried in my eye. I don't know, whatever, man. Shit. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, everybody. Everybody has a Christmas, a Christmas person, a person they wish for Christmas to be, they want them to be crisped, they want them to be burnt to a crisp on Christmas, and that's why I'm celebrating this day, to make sure that those people pay to be crisped, turn to crisp, turn to a fucking mist, crisp, and a dust, and to be killed, and done, and die. You die dead, motherfucker! To be died, done, and a crisp, and to be done. Like, come. You know how it is. Every holiday, every holiday, every holiday needs a hero. And every holiday needs somebody to go to the nethers. To be done. To be made into leather. To be nothing more than a memory and to be less than also a memory so that is why we are celebrating and that's why we are making songs together and we love to make songs together don't we I love to make songs with people I just like it
not feeling any less out. I promised myself to treat myself and visit a nearby town. Climbing to the top, will throw myself off in an effort to make it clear to whoever what it's like in your shadow left standing in the lurch at a church where people say my God, it's tough, he stood him up No point in us remaining We might as well go home As I did on my own Alone again, naturally To think that only this is day I was cheerful, bright, gay Looking forward to Oh, who knew the role was about to play But as if to knock me down Reality came around And without so much as a mere touch Got me into little pieces Leaving me to doubt Talked about God and His mercy But if God really does exist Why does He deserve me? Look at my knee I truly am indeed alone again Naturally Seems to me that there are two more hearts broken in the world that can be mended. Let's understand What do we do? What do we do? God bless her soul Couldn't understand why the only man she had ever loved Had been taken Leaving her to start With a heart so badly broken Despite encouragement from me No words were ever spoken And when she passed away I cried and cried all day Alone again Naturally Alone again, naturally. Mammy. How's this work?